Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis, where it's 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Happy Friday Eve. Brooke Grimsley is here. Danny Mack is here. Matthew Rocchio. I'm Randy Carricker. Good morning, kids. How are we doing? I can feel the excitement coming from you. I feel like you woke everybody up in this room. I'm trying with that to wake beautiful good morning, Randy. We're trying to be enthusiastic about talking sports here in St. Louis. My ears felt your excitement. And you didn't even have your headphones on <laughs> I'm yet. I'm telling you, they... They were they were popping a little bit. You oh, were fired yeah. up, baby. I, I am ready to go. The Blues take it on the Caps tonight. 6 o'clock with the face-off. 5 o'clock pregame here on 101 ESPN. Congratulations to the fast lane. They get a shortened show today, so Anthony and <laughs> oh. Carrie will get out of here a little bit early, and then Jamie will be, of course, on the call on Bally, and then the Blues are home against the Capitals on Saturday night, so that'll be fun. We also have college basketball Saturday, but that's getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, interesting news last night from the National Football League. A lot of people thought that Jerry Jones would all of a sudden get impatient and fire his head coach. That's not how Jerry roll. And Jerry turned out a statement that said, no, nope, I'm keeping Mike McCarthy. I'm disappointed with the way the season ended, but Mike McCarthy is my guy. Is he a lame duck, though? One year remaining on his contract. I mean, you can't... Yeah. You can't uh, Say that he hasn't done the job in the regular season. He's 36 and 15 over the last three, but mm-hmm. in the playoffs, he just hasn't won. And I just do wonder if he's a lame duck with one year remaining on his deal. That's what it felt like, right? And if you looked at that long statement from Jerry mm-hmm. Jones, did that also take you guys back a little bit? Because just reading that full statement, I was like, man, it almost felt like this guy passed away with how lengthy this statement was about Mike McCarthy. I think he was just trying to explain everything. All he really had to explain was, I like a guy that listens to me and doesn't exactly. bother. That's what it is. I was just going to say that. I like a guy that doesn't give me trouble when yep. I want to hold a post-game press conference. Yeah. I run this thing, he coaches, but I'm the boss. It's really that simple. Yeah. And it's also the final year of Dak Prescott's contract. Yeah. So there's a lot that is just happening there with the Cowboys. Yep. Hello, Trey Lance. You think oh so? Oh, yeah. At some oh, point. Oh, boy. That's Ugh. why they got him. Right? I did, you got to extend Dak. You have to. Why? Because he's million bucks. He has won during the regular season. He's gotten you to the promised land of the playoffs, only to lose, Randy. Mm-hmm. And that's where I'm going. I'm sticking with Dak Prescott. Eventually, he's going to break through. You just got to make the tournament, right? Just make the tournament, <laughs> and then just get in, baby. Find a way to win the game. Get past that game once again. Yeah. Yes. It's been kind of tough. <laughs> it's okay. I loved it. I'm, I'm very happy with their decision, with Jerry's, Jerry's decision. Who did you want to see there, or what did you no, think may happen? this is perfect. This is what you wanted? Yeah. Because you think they're going to continue now, to lose in the playoffs. Would it have been fun to see Belichick go there and do what he yes. does? Because he's he can't develop a quarterback. Mm. And people are saying, oh, he gets together with Dak. He got together with Cam Newton, who was an MVP. He got together with Vinny Testaverde. He got together with Drew Bledsoe. There's one guy, come on, that, that he's one with. Don't you think now it just opens the door for him to go to Atlanta? Doesn't that seem like that's the logical place for him to go? It does. It, to me, yes, because Harbaugh just seems like a perfect fit with the Chargers, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I, I would think that there's probably a pretty good 
chance of that happening. So, Mike McCarthy, uh, everybody with the Eagles is happy. And maybe that's a thing that happens. Maybe Sirianni gets it and Belichick winds up in Philly. But it seems like they're moving forward with Sirianni based off of all the stories yeah. and reports last yeah. night. It's 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 the NFL is wacky. I thought the Great. same thing though with Doug Peterson. He wins a Super Bowl. I thought, well, he's going to be there for a long time. <laughs> yeah, and then he's gone. <laughs> they they have no problem. Phil- uh, Philadelphia, we forget they fired Andy Reid. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you know that actually happened. Yeah. So, and, and there's another one. They went down the line and they never won a Super Bowl with him and all of a sudden decided, oh, he sucks. Well, maybe it was wrong place, wrong time. And maybe that's where Mike McCarthy is right now. Potentially. I just think he's a lame duck. You got one year left on your deal. It would have been an unprecedented firing of Nick Sirianni. No coach has ever been fired a year after taking a team to the Super Bowl and making the playoffs. Bill Callahan right now is one of the only mm-hmm. coaches to ever be fired after making the Super Bowl, but he won four games the year after right, that. Right, right. Sirianni ripped off a 10-1 yep. and one start. To be fired after that, even with how it went, would have been statistically the wildest firing in NFL yeah. history. It's still not a done deal, though, right, that right. he's coming back. It's, it's not. not absolutely done, no. Yeah. Okay, I have a question because I didn't uh, pay that much attention in science classes. When a duck is lame, does it ever survive? I haven't thought of it that way, Randy, to be quite honest like, with you. Are there duck rescue organizations that say, oh, there's a lame duck, let's save it? I have no idea. Where did it come from, a lame duck? Oh, that's the a, saying. that's a good question. We actually yes. were talking about this the other day about just wacky sayings. What was the one, skin a cat? Yeah, two more than one way to skin a cat. That's, that's a gateway to serial killer right there. Fly ball is a can of corn. <laughs> yeah, but that was there's a reason for that. Yeah. Because they used to put a can of corn on the top shelf and they had a little corn or can holder that they go up and get it correct all right but still it makes you think it does where did i get can of corn right yeah where do i get lame duck where did that come from yeah do we know has the google machine Um, informed us so the phrase lame duck was coined in the 18th century at the london stock exchange i get it not really a big explanation as to why okay but well i hope those people had some delicious peking duck that's my, my hope for them. Here's Duckin. <laughs> Peking duck at, uh, in Chinatown in New York. I was going to say, the thing about mm. Peking duck in England is that it's not Peking duck at that point, is it? Probably not. But it shouldn't be in New York, theoretically, either. But it was. Uh, okay, the Cardinals had their winter warm-up over the weekend, and pretty much everybody spoke to the media. What were your impressions of the winter warm-up? What was your big takeaway as the Cardinals get ready for spring training in about three weeks? My big takeaway was Ali Marmol holding himself accountable for last season. We didn't get the full end-of-the-season press conference, and that was something that we talked about a lot last season, but I felt like Ali Marmol, everything he said, and I understand that it is just words, but then there also is some, there's some actions that that are happening surrounding it too. Bring in Daniel Descalso. The conversations that he has had with Yadier Molina, making sure that he would come back into the organization, I think that it really shows that Ollie and the Cardinals understand the importance of having a lot of leaders, not only in your clubhouse, but in your dugout as well. But are you concerned, Ollie, about if having guys around here who could possibly take your job, that that would be a bad thing? He had this to say about that. It's a high-stake environment. If you're insecure, then the seat's not for you. Um, as simple as that. Um, you want the best people around you at all times. And um, that means you're hiring people that can also one day do your job. I think that's the best way to do it. So um, this isn't a matter of kind of skating around, man, maybe one day I, that, that doesn't matter to me. It really doesn't. Um, I want the best people 
in that clubhouse, in that dugout, uh, on our staff, and I'll continue to do that. I think that that's a great thing to have within your organization and for him to recognize. And I understand that a lot of people say, well, of course he's going to say that. Of course he will say that he's going to hold himself accountable. Isn't that what you want, though? And to also mm-hmm. have actions to back it up, bring in Daniel Descalso, bring him back around Yadier Molina, also promoting Daniel Kikefer in your organization mm-hmm. as another pitching coach to have. Those are all really beneficial things that were obviously lacking last season. I think it's something that will be very, very beneficial for the organization. I do, too. And I do believe him when he says, I want to surround myself with the best people possible. And if that means bringing in Yadier Molina or Daniel Descalso, then that's a good thing for the club. I do think it's it takes some guts to if you're Ollie to say, I want Yadi around because mm-hmm. the yeah. fan base is going to say, we want Yadi around. And eventually we want him to be the manager. If that's what he wants to do, we love him. He's beloved here. So I think it took some guts for Ollie to say that. I do like the idea, though, of having major league and especially major league big stage experience. There's something to be said with Dave Duncan having caught World Series games, or Mark McGuire hitting home runs in World Series, or uh, Jose Okendo hitting playoff home runs and and stepping up big at uh, clutch times. And those were three of the coaches on the World Champions in 2011. Especially now with young players, I think there's a lot to be said for commanding the respect of having been a big-time major leaguer. That's why a guy like, I think, Chris Carpenter would have made a big difference. Daniel Descalso came up big in the 2011 World Series and, of course, in that playoff game against Washington in 2012. But he wasn't a star. And I really do think... And uh, Yachty will be perfect for this. I think that athletes now react to people that have done it. Uh, Yes. And also everything that happened last season, too... Matt Holiday was supposed to be a part mm-hmm. of that staff. That would be great eyes and ears to have in your organization. And, of course, that d- didn't work out. And that's nothing against Matt Holiday. There's different situations that play out there. But to recognize, I think that <clears throat> they're showing that they are at least listening. And to bring in Bloom, somebody from outside mm-hmm. the organization, they're making the right moves. And I think as a fan, you should be excited about that. It would be worse if they didn't do anything. And as I mentioned with Dean Kikefer earlier, that was Sunny gray fully believe in that when he talked about do you have this in your organization do you have Mm -hmm. that do you have this available for your pitchers that was them listening to a pitcher they're bringing into the organization of what they need and by the way i don't want to take anything away from the teaching ability of the people that they have i'm I'm just talking about if you want to get the attention of players then it probably they had a guy that hit 70 home runs albert listen to the guy that hit 70 home runs you have respect right when you walk in the room yeah All right, so my thing was fundamentals. Mo said, quote, we got away from doing the little things. The Cardinals led all the baseball in defensive runs saved from 2019 through 22. Last year, they finished 20th, so that's a big drop-off. Defense, their war, which I do think is a good stat, 2.4 defensive war. That was the poorest for the organization since the 1940s. Base running, I thought they were less aggressive last season. So I'm talking about going first to third, second to home, and namely stolen bases. They're going to have some guys on this team that can steal bases. I'd love to see more of that. And then situational hitting, ranked 26 out of 30 in productive out percentage. Those are just three of the things that if you clean that up, you're talking about winning way more games than they did a year ago. 
And their reasoning for that being ineffective last year is that they didn't have their guys during spring training. Now they have an opportunity to put their money where their mouth is and coach up the players that are all going to be there this year and get those fundamentals back to what is expected of the Cardinals. Because to me, guys, that's what the Cardinal way is, is playing good, aggressive, clean baseball. That includes good defense, good base running, situational hitting. To me, going back to just what George Kissel taught us when we were young broadcasters, that to me is the Cardinal way. Yeah, and and looking at just how things went last year with their pitching staff, they have not a lot of swing and miss. And they're not going to have a lot of swing and miss mm-hmm. coming this season. So I would think that and when you have that combination, a low strikeout rate, balls in play with poor defense, that ain't going to work. And so with balls in play, it was a 320 average against the Cardinals last year. 320. That was mm-hmm. the highest wow. in baseball with a ball in play. I think they're going to manipulate more shifts as much as you can shift in the game. And years before when they were doing that, it worked. And I think they're going to try to do that more this year. How much do you think players playing out of position had to do with those fundamentals Uh, last season? Yeah, I think that's part of it. I think when you put Tommy Edmond in center, and he was very good defensively, but you had Brendan Donovan playing the outfield at times. And then all of a sudden you're playing Nolan Gorman at second base, which you don't want to play him all the time there. All those things, I think, factor into it. And when you're playing different positions, it's hard to, at this level, the game is so fast, to get to where you need to be to be a very good team. I also think Jordan Walker is going to be better this year Mm -hmm. in in right field. Mm -hmm. So little things like that, I think, can help out this team. For me, guys, the Cardinals were in the middle of the pack in innings pitched from their starting pitchers last year. And I know that that's not how baseball is played, getting starting pitching innings now. But especially if your bullpen isn't that good, which it wasn't last year, 28 blown saves, you need better performance from your starters in terms of giving you innings. Now you have a staff that historically has given innings. Kyle Gibson, Lance Lynn, Sonny Gray to an extent, although uh, last year was his best, and he really hasn't in a decade thrown big innings. But then you have Michaelis, who in recent times has given innings. So Ollie was asked if this new look rotation will be one where he's less inclined to take the starting pitcher out. That's our hope, that there's less innings out of the pen. Um, Pull the pitcher when you no longer think they can do the job. Um, But these are guys that have been tested that understand the ins and outs of competing at this level. They're not wide-eyed. They've, they've been around. They've, uh, they've had success. They've also taken their beatings. And they, they don't ride the emotional roller coaster that a rookie would ride. Um, so you, that, that earns trust. Um, so I look forward to that, no doubt. And, of course, you have to allow your starting pitcher two things, to deal with adversity and to recognize that Many guys are capable of going through a lineup a third time. <laughs> Let's look at something very simple. Quality start, six innings or more, allowing three earned runs or fewer. When the Cardinals got that last year, they were 33-15. and 15. There you go. And when they didn't, they were 36-66, and 66, a 222 winning percentage overall. To your point, Randy, it's really simple. Mm-hmm. Starters, give me some innings. Give me some innings and we got a chance to win. I think it was very key what he said there towards the end is trust. Do you feel like Ali Marmal, that he was basically insinuating there that maybe there wasn't some trust enough built in the organization with the starting pitchers last season and why he didn't feel comfortable enough to leave them in the games? Yeah, which is kind of weird because I would have trusted Jordan Montgomery more than the Cardinals did. Michael Lissett times, too. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I I think that's one thing you just have to – 
take a deep breath and ask yourself, okay, who's my best pitcher right now? Is, is my best pitcher right now going to be Miles Michaelis, who's allowed one hit, or Andre Pallante? Mm-hmm. Ask yourself that question in the dugout. And I know that's because we're looking ahead. The manager's job is to look ahead. But sometimes you have to be in the moment and ask yourself that question. And the, the answer is pretty obvious. Now, he could counter you and say, well, our starter's ERA was over five. And so what do you want me to do? Do you want me to keep this guy in or do you want me to go to the bullpen? And and what I would say is, what are we looking at tonight? Yeah. What are we looking at? What's our eyes? What do our eyes tell us tonight as we're watching this game? That's for me. Well, that's the way Whitey Herzog did it. That's the way Tony La Russa did it. They watched the game with their eyes. How about 29 times? That was it. That a starter gave the Cardinals 100 pitchers or more. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's that is amazing. 162. Yes. Yeah. 29 times. Yep. That was it. Yeah, That's hard to believe. And by the way, Brooke, you kind of chuckled when I brought up the, the Sonny Gray, who did throw 184 innings last year. Between 2017, when he threw 162 innings, and last year, he's thrown that many one time. He's He threw 97 innings in... Uh, uh, actually, uh, the 162 in 2017. Then he threw 130 in 18, 175 in 19. 20 doesn't count because it was a COVID year. 135... Uh, Three years ago, 119, two years ago, and then last year, 184. So he has not been your quintessential horse uh, when when he takes the mound. Effective when he's there, Mm -hmm. I think. But uh, will they ask him to go deeper into games? I I think it's a great question, Randy, is just generally speaking, Mm -hmm. do they feel that they're going to ask these guys, even if they're uncomfortable, to try to go deeper into games. I think you have to, as a manager and a pitching coach, you have to deal with your own discomfort. Mm-hmm. Lance Lynn's not going to have any problem staying no, in a game, right? No, no. <laughs> so no. you have to deal with your own discomfort and say, okay, can you get through it? And we, we, like he said, they've done it. We've seen it. Yeah. So give them the opportunity. We're off and running here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 314 314- 399-9646. If you're using the letters, that would be 314-399-YOHO. <laughs> Say this again, Dan. 314-399-9646. I think you guys did it well. 399-YOHO. YOHO. Sick of it. <laughs> Next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. All right, get your text in and uh, tell us what you're sick of. Sick of it now on 101 ESPN. Brooke, what do you got? Well, guys, we talked about this yesterday, but I am sick of Adam Schefter really wanting to take away the shine, the thunder away from players' retirement announcements. We've seen this happen before, and now you have yesterday. I thought for sure, because I saw it everywhere on social media, just like you guys all did, that Jason Kelsey was retired. And guys, I think honestly, we all know he probably is going to retire, Mm -hmm. but that should be up to the player to announce. And so Adam Schefter phrasing the way of that league sources were letting him know that uh, Jason Kelsey is retiring. And I just don't think that it's right. I think that you're asserting yourself into the story. I understand. I understand that clicks, views, all that stuff matters, especially in this industry and specifically in the industry that Adam Schefter is in. I understand that. But I will always say that just because you're first doesn't mean really anything. I think it always matters more being accurate and also being respectful in a lot of ways. This is something, a retirement announcement is something very special to a player. Why do you need to be the first person to that story? 
because that's what ESPN pays him to do. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I, I get that. You. I get that, though. But it should it not be on Jason Kelsey or even Tom Brady for them to make their own announcement? Unfortunately, I think we've passed that time. And I, I don't disagree. But in a simpler time, it was great. But now, if Adam Schefter doesn't say it, then Jay Glazer will. Accuracy, to your point, though, Brooke, is what I want. And we saw with the baseball winter meetings, the reports going right, left, and all this stuff was wrong. And I think that is where I would be more concerned about just the accuracy of reports and trying to get it out first, and then the report is incorrect. That drives me crazy. Also, what drives me crazy is when the actual trade happens, there is... The first report was Joe Blow, (laughs) and also credit to Susie Q. There is not one person (laughs) in our listening audience that goes, man, can you remember the time back in December when Randy broke the story of this AAA pitcher that got traded? Not one. Who cares? Nobody remembers. No. Just get it remember. right. And that's when when you're talking about the misinformation that gets out there, that's what happens when you are so solely focused on being first to a story that a lot of the information get lost. And maybe mm-hmm. you're too focused on being the first one to tweet it out, to get there on social media so that you can say that. But who cares at the end of the day? Just be accurate. If you're going to be first, just be accurate with it. Yeah. Okay, so I'm sick of not having a great coaching character in the National Football League. And there's some people that are going to say, well, you got John Harbaugh, you got Jim Harbaugh, you got Dan Campbell. I get it, but you don't have Jerry Glanville. Jerry Glanville was named the defensive coordinator at Division II Northwestern Oklahoma State. (laughs) Folks, he's 82 years old, and he truly was one of the great characters as a head coach in the National Football League. Oh, man, it was great. So I want more. I, I want more of those characters. More of those, those yeah. personalities. Sick of not yeah. having them. Uh, who, who, MC Hammer was on their sideline. Yes. <laughs> Dion. It, it was, was great. great. Too legit to quit. Yeah. That was fun. He was a character, man, and we miss characters in sports. I wonder if they're more guarded. I would think so, but having a great character in sports is fun. Now, if you it aren't is. aware of this, and Brooke and Matthew, you might not be aware of this, when... Jerry Glanville was the head coach of the Oilers and then the Falcons. He left two tickets for Elvis at every single yes. game the team played. So Elvis really? could have gone in and picked up two tickets. Yeah, he dressed in black like Elvis. He he was and he dressed the Falcons. The, the, the Falcons used to be all red, red and gray. The reason that the Falcons wear black now is because Jerry Glanville decided that that That's would right. be cool. Well, you have in. Not in the NFL, but in college football, you have Coach Prime, all of his flair that he brings to college football. But in the NFL, there really isn't that that you have right now. I, I think that Dan Campbell is a great personality. I think he's fun to watch. I love listening to his postgame and even pregame press conferences. I think he's a great personality. The owner of the Washington Capitals, it'll happen tonight, leaves four seats on the glass for random fans every single <laughs> home game for the Washington Capitals. I think that's cool. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah, Uh, Guys, Michigan beat Washington 10 days ago for the national championship. Jim Harbaugh, you've had more than enough time to determine the rest of your life. I'm sick of you going around the country, gallivanting around, interviewing with the Chargers, interviewing with the Falcons, trying to find the ideal job, still apparently negotiating with Michigan too. The whole Jim Harbaugh saga, I'm sick of it. You're sick of that, huh? I am. Come on, Jim, make a decision. Kind of uh, sick of the whole NFL coaching carousal, too. Yes. Let's just go. Let's, let's get it done, sign some yeah, guys, and move on. shouldn't be that hard. You know that they all know, one, who they're going to hire. Even the coaches who are going on these searches, like Harbaugh, he knows where he's going. 
it's just a big, a pretty big spectacle at this point. By the way, since the uh, national championship game and since the subsequent retirement of Nick Saban, 21 of their players now have entered the transfer portal and six recruits (laughs) have decommitted from Alabama. That's 27 players that all of a sudden have said, eh, Nick's not there. I'm not sure I want to be either. And here's Mm. the thing. All the good players in the transfer portal have already gone to other schools. So Alabama can't recruit players from the transfer portal because they were the last team to lose a coach. And if they lose two games next year, the coach is on the hot seat. Yeah, he is. If you're Eli Drinkwitz over at Mizzou, you're just like, oh, Oh, this is is nice. No doubt about it. Well, if you looked at Mizzou's schedule next year, the one that stands out is being at Tuscaloosa and taking on Alabama. The Athletic had a piece last night. They've got Mizzou going... 11, 11 and 1. And one. Yeah. Yep. All right. What do we got on the text line there, Matthew? I'm not overlooking Boston College and UMass. You guys might be, but uh, no. BC is oh, got me worried yeah. up the there in the Pacific, in the or Northeast Pacific, the Northeast. The fact that they're going to UMass is what's shocking to me about, about the about schedule. It. It's going to be fun. I'm not worried about it. Great job, Jim Sterk. Uh, sick of it. Going out with my in-laws, all of them. They aren't rude or mean to the waitstaff, but I have never been with a group of people that have questions about every menu item. They make so many damn substitution. It's annoying, and I can't take it anymore. Order like a normal person. It's freaking chilies, man. I'm sick of it. <laughs> okay. I'll take a number three. That's that's my order. I know what they're talking about <laughs> because I, I do have some family members that do the exact same really? thing. But then we'll order the same thing. Mom, if you're listening, you know that I love you, but I am talking about you. <laughs> where we'll go to this to the same restaurant and you. she'll get the same thing every single time. But we gotta go through this menu and we gotta ask some questions. And I'm just sitting there like what, what, what's new? You know what you're gonna get. You, you know what I love is when people say, Is that good to the server? Is, is that good? <laughs> that yeah, it's horrible. Too. I wouldn't get that. Although some so will tell you that. <laughs> some will say, I don't think you want that. Yep. You know, they'll say that sometimes, yeah. rarely, but if it does special, happen. Yeah. By the way, we talk about, you know, sounding happy, like at the beginning of the show. Uh, I get a call yesterday from Brooke Grimsley as she's on her way to Chick-fil-A. She sounded more gleeful than she's ever sounded. You, so we were you, talking you, about you happy headed into Chick-fil-A, were you? I love Chick-fil-A. We were talking about Chick-fil-A, so you had a little hunger for oh, Chick-fil-A. I Believe me, I got I got my Chick-fil-A. I got the cookies. I use the mobile app. They have a great yeah, you, mobile you app. Cookies, Chick-fil-A sandwich, the regular with mm-hmm. the meal, upsize, you know, the larger size of the fries. Pretty it was good. a great day. Yeah, yeah. pretty good. <laughs> pretty cool. I'm sick of Dan not getting on board with the Yoho. We got about Uh-oh. seven of these, Dan. Dan? I need Uh-oh. to look at this. We got a bunch of them. There's, I got, there's, I'm not, I'm not making that one up. There are legitimately five or six different people who texted in. They're not, they're, they're, they I'm want you to get Yoho. in on the Yoho, Dan. Okay, I, I'm in. So here's one thing about Yoho. Ideally, you would have liked our number to be three nine 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 six. This gotta be good. Five six, so that we could have Yolo. You only live once. But we didn't get that, unfortunately. So we don't. That's the motto. So we yo ho. I mean, we could, could have gone yo go, but that wouldn't have been very cool. No. But, yeah. uh, or Zogo. Or we tried like. this, Danny. All right, we, we went we through these yeah. things. We even all right? renamed JoJo Romero Yo Ho Romero. Exactly. Last season. So I am. I I did Yo Ho last time. What are you okay, talking about? Yo Ho. Okay, you're all ah, in. the saddest yeah. pirate yes. in all the land. Good. In fairness, yeah. we are also getting multiple people who are saying, "Stay strong, Danny. Exactly. Don't do it. Beat the Yo Ho." So it it's there's to be fair. Okay. Okay. To be fair and balanced. Appreciate that. <laughs> I'm sick of the Cardinals not getting another stud starter. I don't care about your deficit. Yeah, I am too. But 
where are you, where are you going to get a guy like that? Oh, where man. are you going to get a stud starter? There's none available. Who did you want, Randy? Who was your ideal guy? Ideal, I'd, I'd, I'd like to have them get Dylan Cease. You know, I don't. I'm not. I would have never been in the Blake Snell camp, giving Blake Snell a ton of money. No, even though he's got Walks two five per nine. I know, and he doesn't give you innings. I. Uh, this is a very specific guy that the Cardinals need, in my opinion, and I, I don't think that that guy's available now. I mean, if nobody's traded for Dylan Cease, that tells me the price might be too high at the moment. It so, seems like it is it. what it is. They want everything. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I um, I just realized what was wrong with my computer uh-huh. is that I put my notebook on the computer and the thing was going crazy and I had no idea. I thought one person had texted in. Now I'm seeing all these texts come in. So it's a, uh, a big day for me to figure this out because I've done this at least five times in the last week and a half. <laughs> all right, I've done it the same thing before, too. Over all of a sudden, the computer's going crazy. I'm like, what's happening? And then <laughs> literally notebook? set my phone on there. That's what it is. Uh, hashtag support for Dan, by the way. I yeah. love that. We've got that uh, coming in. And, uh, yeah, oh, oh, oh. we got to read our 618. I'm fine with Dan not doing Yoho, but I'm okay with him protecting the Cardinals at all costs. At all costs, I will. Okay oh, yeah. There you her. go. I Gotta will. protect those Cardinals, Dan. I'll do whatever I need to. Yeah, yeah. that's what I do. <laughs> I just give out facts. That And I know that, that upsets you. It happens. Facts. F-A-X. A lot yeah. of people don't facts. like facts, Dan. No, that's okay. I just try my best. <laughs> Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Coming up, uh, speaking of protecting the Cardinals, Greg Amsinger, MLB Network, will join us. And uh, we'll talk with him as we do every week here on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. If your homework means a new deck, turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber St. Peter's is your go-to place for a huge selection of quality bedding plants, perennials, and hanging baskets. They also carry topsoil and potting mix for your gardening needs. Come visit all Hackman Lumber showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Greg Amsinger is the lead anchor for MLB Network. He is a product of the Lindenwood University. He is also a native of St. Louis, and he's kind enough to join us weekly here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN, one of our best buddies with Brooke and Danny Mack. I'm Randy Carricker. Greg, good morning. How are you doing, sir? Uh, you know what? I, I had a moment. I had a moment yesterday. I had the first moment in life where I did not want to talk baseball. Isn't that sad? That it is. happened. Uh, yeah, it is. I, I was getting a double root canal, and my dentist, my dentist really thinks Nestor Cortez is going to bounce back and be the AL Cy So while I had fragments of my tooth flying out of my mouth, and he's drilling into my jaw, and I cannot feel my lower jaw, and the only way I can communicate is by going, ah, 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 ah. I talked to this man for almost 40 minutes 
while he was drilling in my mouth about baseball. <laughs> Number was, one, thank you so much for joining us today. Does it hurt to talk today? No, you know what? The, the, the numbing, when they put that needle in to numb you, I think they went a little deep. He was so excited about Carlos Rodon's contract, he shoved <laughs> this needle in a little deep. So the back right portion of my jaw is a little sore. Feels like it's bruised. Okay, and do you agree or disagree with his takes on Nestor Cortez and Carlos Rodon? <laughs> no, and I don't think I listened to any of it. <laughs> I was so <laughs> I was so upset. I'm like, come on, man, for the love of God, I'll talk after. But right now, this is terrible. This is terrible. I mean, I, I'm okay with needles. I'm okay going to the dentist, right? But I want to go to a happy place. I don't want to know that I'm there. When I get a shot, right, if you're going to take my blood, I don't want to look at it go into my flesh. I look away. I want to destroy myself. I could not go to my happy place because he was talking about Nestor Cortez for 40 minutes. (laughs) Well, we're glad that you're here. Greg, of course, we have to ask you about the breaking news coming out yesterday about, I'm going to definitely say, surprise deal here with Amazon and with Bally's. What does this mean for Major League Baseball teams under and not under that umbrella of Amazon and Bally's and everything that's going on? It sounds like it's a big picture play where Amazon sees an opportunity to get into the streaming rights game of Major League Baseball. Um, uh, They're a behemoth, and they are Apple. They all have endless resources to be a major player in this. This caught Major League Baseball by surprise. They didn't expect this to happen. Um, At some point, we kind of figured Amazon would – enter the fray in Major League Baseball. They've already done it in football. Uh, so I think Major League Baseball is trying to re-examine where this whole thing stands. This is not what they expected. So uh, it makes what already is one of the most difficult uh, conversations to have when it comes to broadcast rights regionally in any sport uh, much, much more difficult. Is it? Is this a permanent thing? This is, this is a tiny Band-Aid in the big picture process, but uh, it, it sort of shows where we stand right now everyone's trying to figure out is this a pot of gold and if amazon is getting involved even at a hundred million dollars which is just a band-aid for this thing um i think we're starting to realize that yes owning the streaming rights eventually to these clubs is extremely lucrative live events is big dollars and um for amazon to get into the party uh, is proof of that well what always concerns me is when you hear that it's a surprise, right? Because that sounds not necessarily like a good thing. So what should we take away from that? Well, it's a surprise because they clearly were following the details of the bankruptcy litigation, uh, the back and forth, uh, where it looked like it was leaning. And it appears to me, and I'm not in the negotiations, that they were going to get involved at some point, And they waited to see how long this could go, uh, if the actual price tag could come down, because this was a last-minute throw our hat into the ring. So if they would have done this six months ago, it would have been much more than $100 million. So for them to get involved and have a stake and uh, possibly extend this process, uh, which many people believe is inevitable anyway, uh, that Major League Baseball is going to have to get involved, uh, I, I think it's an interesting play. I, I don't think baseball fans have anything to worry about here. I really don't. Hey, Greg. Baseball. 
They're going to watch their teams play. They're going to get to see their teams play. Greg, in terms of free agency, let's go back on the field. Um, are we going to see an uptick here in the next, let's say, seven to ten days as spring training's right around the corner? And then secondarily, do you think the Cardinals are done or do you think there's something left still to do for them? I think the Cardinals are, are going to be in the free agent market for relievers. I, I've been saying before they show up spring training, I think they have three new relievers in their pocket. Um, I'm a bit surprised that Jordan Hicks wasn't one of them, but uh, they weren't going to have him start. So if the Giants are going to give him that carrot, it makes sense. I, I don't think we're going to see a huge uptick in the next seven days. Uh, I think uh, the guys that are left, the big ticket items that are left, it's almost like two brand-new free agent classes. You had to wait for Otani and Yamamoto to get off the board, for the A-listers to start giving up their money. And then the rest of those guys, I mean, Blake Snell, you're not an A-lister unless the San Francisco Giants are so desperate to get a big ticket item, they give you your 200 million dollars. I don't see him getting it. I don't see him doing that. And, and Cody Bellinger, I think, is the position player version of Blake Snell. There are just too many reservations. People are pausing on Cody Bellinger. So the new free agent market, which is where we're standing right now, is waiting for Blake Snell to go off the board, waiting for Cody Bellinger to go off the board. And if you're a reliever waiting to get signed, you're waiting for Josh Hader to go off the board. And there are people pausing there because of his pit restrictions, which I think a lot of front offices are uncomfortable with. Greg, if Cody Bellinger isn't in Chicago, who replaces the offense that he supplied for them last year? I, I, I'm going to guess they're going to go at Reese Hoskins. All signs point. They've already talked to his, his representation that he'd be a perfect fit at first base. I, I think Cody Bellinger is too massive, um, too massively talented to be replaced for the Cubs. Now, would I sign Cody Bellinger and give him eight years over two hundred million, which is what him and his representation wants? No, I'm sorry, I I can't see a guy be one of the worst hitters in the sport for a three year stretch and finds it again, and then go, you know what, I'm all in. He, he, he's, he's Jekyll. He's not Hyde. I'm all in on Jekyll. I, I just I can't do that. Scott Boris is trying to sell. That's what he is. What he was to the Cubs was an incredible defender in two positions, stole over 20 bags, over 300, bat the ball skills were back. He wasn't striking out. You can hit him anywhere in the lineup, depending on who the starting pitcher was. His splits against lefties improved massively. I think he found a good home. I think he should go back to the to the Cubs. I think the Cubs know he should go back to the Cubs. So his his negotiating leverage is really not as strong as his representation thinks it is. So I, I think he eventually goes back there. But if they get fed up with the process, Reese Hoskins is not a terrible fallback plan. He's a 30-plus homer guy that I think would thrive there. Greg, I don't know how Scott Boris does it, but he did it for a guy like Chris Bryant, right? He was able to find a team in an emotional state where they wanted to pay, the the Rockies wanted to pay him a bunch of money. They've gotten virtually nothing for it. I'd look at some of those histories, and I would be concerned about Snell, who while having two Cy Young awards is not given a ton of innings, I'd be concerned about Bellinger, and I can guarantee you this. In a contract year, Tyler O'Neill is going to have a really good year for the Red Sox, and somebody needs to be worried about him when they sign him next offseason. I totally agree with you. There are certain types of players that incentive pays, and then there are others that, that, um, that prove us wrong. And do you remember Adrian Beltre 
mm-hmm. who's going to hear his name called, I believe, January 23rd. He went to the Red Sox on a short-term deal, had a monster year, and his free agency were all going, whoa, 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 got to be a little leery. He was good for a while with the Dodgers, bounce to the Mariners, Red Sox, here we go. Uh, and then he found it again. You, can, you can't do that. And if there was a player that I would believe in, of the guys we're talking about, I think that Snell could be that guy because of his new philosophy on pitching, where he doesn't care if he walks anybody. And his stuff is so nasty that even if it does regress and his swing and miss goes down, he's going to be a Robbie Ray. He's going to be a type of pitcher that can give you 180 innings possibly, win you 14 games, and unfortunately that's a 100 to to $150 million guy in today's market. So uh, I think Blake Snell's new mindset would intrigue me, but you got to have a front office that's cool with a pitcher that's looking you in the eye going, I don't care if I walk anybody. And that's a hard thing to sell. Greg, I'm looking right now. Nolan Ryan led the league that he pitched in in walks eight different times. Now, every single one of those years that he led the league in walks, uh, except for one, he led the league in strikeouts too. So right. Blake Snell is Nolan Ryan is what I'm telling you. <laughs> okay, yeah, exactly. So uh, the, the comp I the comp I actually came up with that was a little bit better, and I know this guy didn't win Cy Youngs, but it was Al Leiter. Al Leiter uh, was extremely erratic. He walked a lot of guys, but he started doing that uh, after the age of 30. So when he was already a coveted piece, he kind of said, I've got leverage in the game. This is what I'm going to do now going forward. Blake Snell knew if he wanted to get the biggest contract possible, he needed to pitch the way he wanted to pitch. He was in a walk year, and he just figured, you know what, I'm not giving in. I think it's, it's actually a bigger conversation in terms of pitching. Giving in on 3-1 makes up for a large number of the runs that you give up every year. Easy thing to think about. So why only reimagine what pitchers do when the count is 3-1. Trying to get back into a count against the best hitters on the planet is probably not a good idea. Starting over and going, take your base, I'll battle the next guy with a fresh count uh, is probably a better idea if you've got swing and miss stuff, which at the moment, Blake Snell has. Greg, it's always great to hear your voice, and I'm glad you got out of that double uh, root canal yesterday. Man, that, uh, I wouldn't even go in. I'd just let it ride. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's weird, Randy? Like, I, I, my jaw is still a hair numb, and it's supposed to wear off, and I've been drooling without even knowing it. And while I was in my car doing this, I had to wipe drool off my chin at least three times. So I'm still recovering. For, I, I'm a grinder today. <laughs> you guys a grinder you are and we appreciate it brother <laughs> you got it thank you thank thank you're you. our envy Thanks, man. have a great weekend you guys take care see you later bye uh greg amzinger with us on 101 espn i guess the other thing we should note about nolan ryan when he was walking 200 people he was throwing 332 innings yeah 332 <laughs> did you see the uh the documentary on him yeah it's pretty good by the way some of the biggest names Next year, free agency. So if you hold out and you don't think like Cody Bellinger is your guy and you want a, a, a for sure guy next year, but Pete Alonso is out there, mm-hmm. Alex Bregman, Altuve, Juan Soto. Now, this is if they don't resign with their teams. I would anticipate that some of these guys do it, but there's pretty big free agency class coming too next year. And Alonso may be a Boris guy. And that would be an interesting thing. If the Mets really want to keep him, and Cohen is bidding for him, does Boris still take him into free agency? I would imagine if you're to this point, 
and you haven't had your extension, he's going to tell these guys, play it out one more year, and then we'll take you to free agency. Bregman, I think, is a Boris guy, too. Right. Yeah. It is the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got Take It or Leave It. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line on this Friday Eve. 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO. Tioli next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Time for Tioli here on 101 ESPN. Brooke. Dan, Matthew, and Randy, and guys, I don't know if you saw this, but former Blue Tony Herkus. Circus, circus. The, uh, her, the Herkus Circus. That's right. He was at uh, the Kings game the other night, and a league employee was choking on a pretzel, and Tony Herkus saved the person's life by applying the Heimlich maneuver. Take it or leave it. It would have been nice if Herkus would have done that for Greg Millen in the 1988 playoffs. <laughs> oh. What's wrong with you? Oh. He had a, t- he had a tough playoff oh. run, okay? Let's just leave it at that. Okay, I will. <laughs> oh We're going to have to leave that. Randy. It, I am leaving that. It is 7.52 in the morning, and that's what you're going to come firing out with? Yeah, well, it is funny. I'll give you that. <laughs> Randy's like, I've been waiting to make this joke for almost 40 years. Oh, like about two minutes. Oh, <laughs> Congratulations man. to Tony Erkus for Very saying nice. Like, there you go. That's great that he did that. Well, take it or leave it, guys. We were discussing this earlier, but I find it very interesting that Jerry Jones is sticking with Mike McCarthy. Take it or leave it. It will be a mistake for the Cowboys to stick with him. I'm going to leave it. I think that you stay with him and then you lose again. And that's my viewpoint because I'm happy to see the Dallas Cowboys lose. (laughs) I am also going to leave it. I don't think that Bill Belichick was going to go there. Not that I think he'd make, and I don't think Harbaugh would go there either. Uh, I, I don't think Belichick would make Prescott any better. And Jim Harbaugh can win, as he's shown, with anybody. But I don't think Jim Harbaugh wants to be in that situation where Jerry Jones is the owner. Jerry Jones has his perfect guy. And now he just needs to get lucky come playoff time. I feel like it's a special coach that would want to be under that type of leadership. Mm -hmm. You think they have the roster to win? Is it enough to win? I think they have a really good roster. I do too. So then what's the hangup? Well, Dan Quinn on the first playoff game, not making adjustments, I think would be something I'd look at. Yeah. And and I love this phrase from Nick Saban because people – want to judge Dan Quinn's career on what happened against Green Bay on Sunday. Every game, every play takes on a life of its own. Let's not forget that Matt LaFleur is really good and the Packers are really good. And they had something to do with the lack of ability of Dallas to stop them on Sunday. All right, take it or leave it. Lions, Bucks this weekend. Average price of the ticket is now listed. The average price, $1,186. Would you pay for that to go to see the Lions and the Bucks? I'm That's the average that. price. I'm going to leave it. One thousand. The average. The average price. I'm going to have to leave it. That's insane. What's included with that? Am I going to get like a full buffet or anything no, this like is that? Probably this secondary is... market, right? I think so. Jeez, Louise. Yeah. What's included, Brooke? A chance at history. Oh, okay. I'm going to need a little bit more oh, than that. I'd rather just stay stay at home. I'd yeah. say take it or leave it. What's the best atmosphere this weekend of the remaining games? Well, that'll be it. That's it. Oh, yeah. And that's why people want to go. It's been so long since they've had success. They'll have fun in Balmer, though. That place will be going nuts. Yep. It'll be fun. Yeah. Matthew, what do you have for us? Not... Randy Cross called the uh, 49er fans white wine drinking. <laughs> it's not exactly the wine and cheese yeah. crowd. When I think about San Francisco Giants fans, I don't think about the them being dainty. 
But oh. hey, I guess it's the uh, slightly different with the fan base of the football team and the baseball team. And the uh, I mean, white wine. Bills fans. Yeah. Uh, Bills Mafia. Here we go. Swifties oh. versus Bills Mafia. Shane, this don't weekend. get caught in a parking lot. This is uh, Randy Cross uh, back before the playoffs. I think in 1988, hopefully our white wine sipping crowd will decide to get off their collective butt and cheer. They didn't make much noise Monday night. I thought they had a bunch of cardboard dummies up there. That'll wow. ingratiate you to the fan base, uh, won't yeah, it? No <laughs> doubt. Yeah, that was 86 that he said that. You get away with it in 86. Now if you said that, that's viral. Oh, oh, that's man, you everywhere. Your whole family is getting threatened on Twitter. No that's doubt. No. Objectively a hilarious comment to make. <laughs> I wish I wish people made that's that's I wish our white wine drinking fans had a little you know, you know, um, I love cheer. that. Take it or leave it. If Belichick goes to a talented but underachieving team and doesn't win, he will forever be remembered as the coach who couldn't win without Tom Brady. I'll take that. I'm going to take that. I'm going to leave it because he's going to surpass Don Shula and he'll go down as the greatest coach ever. He will. He's going to have the most wins and they're going to say he is the greatest coach ever. And Randy's probably going to look up the record of Bill Belichick <laughs> with and without oh, Tom I already, Brady. I already know that. He, he knows it. But I also know point. that Joe Gibbs is the best coach in the history of the league. The, three Super Bowl championships with three non-Hall of Fame quarterbacks, three different ones. Uh, he's he's able to, as Bum Phillips would say, take his and beat Aaron, take Aaron and beat his. Uh, <laughs> I'm just thinking at this point that that will even be your final words, the record of Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, or Bill Belichick without Tom Brady. Well, not only that, but look at Brady's record. Brady won a Super Bowl without Belichick, right? <laughs> Bill Belichick is essentially <coughs> Jeff Fisher. You know kind of interesting? Uh, actually, no, Bel- <laughs> Jeff Fisher has a 5-12 winning percentage without Tom Brady as a starting quarterback. Go ahead. It's kind of interesting that when Brady went on the open market, there wasn't a ton of takers for him. Mm-hmm. Remember. I mean, there was there were spots that were there. A lot of people questioned his age and whether or not he could still mm-hmm. perform at a high level. And is he a product of the Patriot way? Mm-hmm. Well, he wasn't. He went right. down to Tampa Bay and won. And he was pretty specific about yeah. wanting to coach <laughs> and go to a talented team. That mm-hmm. team was literally a quarterback away, and he was he was the answer. We're done. Okay. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you very, very much, kids, for your texts. We do appreciate them. And coming up, Daniel Kaplan is going to join us. We're going to talk a little bit about that Amazon Diamond merger that broke yesterday. Daniel Kaplan, one of the top business reporters in America, joins us next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. I'm Randy Carricker. It's the opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. 801 time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers and Efficiency Rolex Jeweler. Word came down during our show yesterday that Amazon has now officially entered into a partnership with Diamond Sports, which is, of course, the parent company of Bally Sports Midwest, which covers the Cardinals and the Blues, trying to help Bally Diamond get out of their problems with bankruptcy. And uh, we really don't understand this fully, so we wanted to get the help of the preeminent business reporter in America, Daniel Kaplan. And you can follow Daniel on X at Kaplan Sports Biz. He's always been a friend of the show. Daniel, good to have you with us. How are you doing? Hey, thanks for having me back. Uh, well, let, let's start with this. Uh, can you give us a, a capsule of what happened yesterday, what officially happened yesterday with Amazon and Diamond Sports? 
Well, this was a big surprise because since Diamond's been in bankruptcy, the expectation is that it would unwind, it would wind down business operations, and 2024 would be its last season, last season operating. Instead, Amazon they've done a deal with Amazon. Amazon's investing roughly 115 million dollars into Diamond. It will own about 15 percent of the company, and it will serve as the direct-to-consumer platform for the regional sports channels. So. Viewers in St. Louis who want to stream the St. Louis Cardinals games can go to Amazon Prime Video and buy a subscription. And as a result, Diamond is not going away. Valley Sports Group, excuse me, Valley Sports Group is not winding down operations at the end of 2024, but it's best to be open and broadcasting for future years. Well, Daniel, I think the biggest thing that fans want to know is, will this make it easier for all fans to access games no matter where they're at? And will it come with an extra cost? Uh, Yes and yes. (laughs) Uh, You'll be able to access the games through Prime Video channels. And the costs are not determined. But, I mean, I would expect something in the neighborhood of $15 to $20 a month to, to access it. What was Major League Baseball's reaction to this? Uh, stunned is what I would say. Um, officially, the league has no comment. Their their lawyer uh, on, a, on a status conference call yesterday in court uh, expressed surprise at the deal. Uh, they were scheduled on Friday to, to debate whether uh, Major League Baseball could compel Diamond Sports Group to decide whether to walk away or keep the regional sports channel deals. But now that's all out the window because Valley is not walking away from the regional sports channel deals. And Major League Baseball is basically assessing its next move because we all know Major League Baseball wanted these rights to themselves to create their own local sports uh, company. And Daniel, with that being the case, for example, here in St. Louis, Bally is not allowed to sell a direct-to-consumer, their, their Bally Plus app. You have to have access, if you want to use their app, to either Spectrum or DirecTV. They, they can't sell that $20 a month product. And as you just mentioned, MLB isn't inclined to let it go. So how does Amazon make money when there's only five teams that MLB is right now allowing to sell exclusive streaming? Yeah, I mean, this is this is a thing. The, the, St. Louis is one of the six, seven teams that Bally's has that doesn't have a, a direct-to-consumer arrangement. The, the, Bally's is clearly hoping that having Amazon now as their partner will change Major League Baseball's mind on this on this matter. Um, if they don't, if, if Major League Baseball holds back, then what I just outlined about going to Amazon Prime and, and maybe for $15, $20 a month buying St. Louis Cardinals games, that won't happen. The direct-to-consumer for St. Louis Cardinals, that, that will be up to uh, the Cardinals and Major League Baseball. But then it becomes a hodgepodge of where to go to get these things. And, Daniel, we talk a lot here in St. Louis, obviously, about baseball, but the Blues are on Bally Sports Midwest, and actually Bally has more basketball teams than any other sport. How does this affect those two entities, hockey and, and basketball? Well, the NHL and NBA have year-to-year given direct-to-consumer rights uh, to uh, streaming rights to to Bally's. So it's not as a contentious relationship as there is with Major League Baseball. It's been well documented that Major League Baseball has an acrimonious relationship with Bally Sports. The question is whether that changes now with with Amazon as a partner to Bally's. Uh, Amazon's one of the largest companies in the world. It's 
big in the world of media, sport, sports leagues and teams want to do business with Amazon. Uh, so we'll see if that changes baseball's approach. Well, it really seems like, as we have mentioned here, that there's kind of different terms for certain Major League Baseball teams. But looking outside of 2024, past 2024, for all of Major League Baseball, what will this look like with Amazon? Well, I mean, ideally, if you're Bally's, you, you have all the Major League Baseball teams you broadcast also on Amazon. Right now, that would just be five of them, as you, as uh, Randy pointed out. Uh, but there's 11, possibly 12 teams, and they're negotiating with the Minnesota Twins on a deal on 12 teams that will be Bally's teams and going forward. And if, if long-term they're on Bally's, uh, Major League Baseball may acquiesce and give streaming rights, to all t- allow streaming rights for all 12 because if they're going to be on Amazon, Amazon's going to want more than five. They're going uh, to want to build a local media business. Daniel, before this hit was in your research, was there an appetite for teams to start their own network or rather just take the guaranteed check in and move on in business as usual? What's driven all of this, of course, is the cord cutting and driving down the number of subscribers in the cable universe. So that doesn't make building a, a new regional sports channel uh, very propitious. But um, at the same time, just going over, going to over-the-air networks and streaming is not going to replace that rights fee. So it's, it's an interesting question whether teams would have gone out and built their own regional sports channels. My guess is many of those teams that were going to be cast aside by valleys are breathing a sigh of relief. Hey, Daniel, one other thing aside from what we're talking about here with Amazon and Bally before we let you go, a lot of consternation, especially here in the state of Missouri, about that uh, wild card game that was on Peacock the other night. How did Peacock do with an NFL wild card game? I mean, Peacock set the record for most streams of any event in U.S. streaming history, 23 million. I mean, I will point out that the other wild card games were securing audiences of over 30 million. Um, so that 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 spread between the the peacock game and the the traditional over the air games that's somewhat of the spread you see in Thursday night football on Amazon and other games. But I mean, 23 million viewers to stream uh, a game on Peacock that's that's an astounding number. So do you think that's the trend moving forward, or does the NFL say it was a great experiment, but we need to be better for our fans and put it on free TV? I, I would expect more games like that, more playoff games, one, one to two a year at least going forward to be on on, stre- on streaming. It's obviously the way of the world. Uh, it's not going to be everything. I mean, I, I wouldn't imagine a day when the Super Bowl is on streaming, but uh, if you're going to get 23 million fans watching on uh, a stream playoff game, they're, they're not going to turn away from that. As we mentioned at the top, you can follow Daniel on Twitter at Kaplan Sports Biz, and your bio says on the hunt for the next gig. Daniel, you're the best in the business, so we know you're going to land on your feet somewhere soon. Thanks so much for the time. It's always great to have you on the show here in St. Louis. Thanks, Randy. Take care. That's uh, our friend Daniel Kaplan joining us here on 101 ESPN. I felt like this weekend was such a money grab for the National Football League. Now, for myself and my kids, we understand streaming. We know how to find the game. There are so many people, though, Mm -hmm. that don't. Mm -hmm. It was a money grab for the NFL. Yeah. It's part of the growing pains of this, though, of what you're seeing now with cord cutting, right, is that everything is going to eventually just all be on streaming. So now we're in that kind of middle ground area. If you're CBS, don't you have a playoff game on Paramount next year? Got to think about it. I mean, if, yeah. if NBC is going to do Peacock, then if you're CBS, you got to do Paramount. How much, you know, you go back to this, though, how much is enough? 
I mean, you, you keep these games on free TV. You're making so much money off of television. Do you have to eke out every single little penny out of this and make sure that your fan base has a chance to watch the games? Goodell says that he wants it to be a $25 billion a year business, and they aren't even at 20 yet. Interesting. So they're going to eke out every little penny. And the other thing that they do with streaming is globalize mm-hmm. because you don't have NBC, CBS, Fox in, in Europe. Well, now all they have to do is go to Peacock and watch the game on the stream. And anybody in the world, this was the brilliance of the Apple deal by MLS, can watch their games wherever they are. Yeah, I think that you're going to see the point where we get back to how it was with cable, where you're going to package together even certain channels and things like that are offered, different things like that. I think that you're going to get to that point with streaming. I mm-hmm. hope, because at this point, it is crazy paying for so many different streaming places. And it's hard to imagine that they're all going to survive, right? It's kind of like no. Sirius and XM. They had to merge. You're going to have that happen. Hulu was originally owned by NBC and now is owned by ABC. You're going to have... I would think a little concentration of the the different services. That's Brooke. That's Dan. I'm Randy. Coming up, we're going to talk some blues hockey there in Washington tonight. And our friend, the Hall of Famer, Bernie Federico, joins us next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. The Blues will try to get back on the winning track tonight as they take on the Washington Capitals in the nation's capital. It's a 5 o'clock pregame here on 101 ESPN, and we'll have the action for you at 6 with Chris Kerber and Joe Vitale. But joining us now is Bernie Federico, who has pre and post on Bally Sports and joins us every Thursday morning here on 101 ESPN, the Hall of Famer. Bernie, good morning. How are you doing? Good morning, Randy. I'm doing great. Thank you. Good. And tomorrow night is the Blues Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Keith Kachuk, Pavel Dimitra, and one of your great teammates, Mike Liu, going in. How much are you looking forward to seeing that? Well, it's always fun. I mean, uh, this, this was something that was started last year. It was a great event last year, and uh, I think we're looking forward to each and every year. And, of course, uh, you know, with Big Walt and, and with Ludi, and, you know, unfortunately, uh, we all know the story about Pavel. It would be nice if he was still around, but uh, you know what? We're looking forward to the induction. It's going to be a lot of fun tomorrow night. Well, Bernie, yesterday it came out that Casper Kapanen was placed on the IR and the Blues were calling up Adam Gaudet. He's a player right now who is doing really well in the AHL with 24 goals leading the AHL, and he's also number he's third in scoring with 36 points. What will he add to the lineup for the Blues? Well, he's going to be a guy that can score. I mean, I think that's the one thing the Blues are having a little bit of trouble right now that uh, is the scoring, and, and, you know, Adam's getting another chance. I mean, here's a kid that was uh, obviously was a really, really good college hockey player. He won the Hobie Baker back in 2018, so he's, he's put up some numbers, but he's had what, a couple hundred games in the NHL and really has not really been able to turn himself into that scorer he was in, in college. So I think this is just another opportunity for him, and obviously when – when he's doing so well in the American League, hopefully he can transfer that to the NHL and get another chance. Because, well, you know, when you when you're a Hobie Baker winner, you expect that you're going to play in the NHL and you're going to have some great success in, in, in the NHL. He hasn't found that yet, and, and I'm hoping that this is going to be the chance. I don't know much about him; I haven't seen him play that much, but uh, certainly 
uh, when you look at his statistics right now, uh, this is a really good chance for him, and hopefully he can score some goals and, and add some offense to this hockey club. Hey, Bernie, another guy that had really good success in college, Scott Perunovic, and it looks to me like he's starting to settle in. His last 10 games, he's got 7 points, plus 1, 12 block shots. Are you seeing a little different players starting to make strides there on the blue line for the Blues? Yeah, Danny, he's starting to be a little more confident. I mean, uh, I think that the, the the fact that he's not a big man, I think that's kind of what was the issue when he when he came in, into the NHL. I um, mean, had obviously had those uh, a lot of injuries right off the start, and wasn't able to really gain much confidence uh, at all. But played very well in the minors too, and and played for Bannister. So so Bannister, you know, Drew knows him really well. So yes, I see him getting a little more confident. You know, around what he's supposed to do because he's supposed to be an offensive guy. I mean, his success was his offensive side of his game when he was playing college hockey, and he's starting to transfer that in. I think he was more worried about his defense than anything else, and I think that's kind of what the, the plan this year for the Blues was to make sure that they're really strong defensively. So I think he's worked on that, and now I think he's transferring his offensive skills, which is what his plus is. Uh, I'd like to see him shoot the puck a little bit more. Still has not scored a goal yet, and uh, uh, but yes, I, I think that he settled down moving the puck, uh, especially in the offensive zone. He's doing a much better job. Bernie, one of the things Doug Armstrong said when he made the coaching change is that there were going to be games where the Blues would lose, but play as well as they could. And he was concerned about the eye test, the the effort being exhibited in those games before Craig Bruby was fired. Since Bannister has taken over, you have a hockey eye. How do you think that they have done in terms of the eye test? They've worked each and every shift. I mean, there's no question that they the effort is there, uh, Randy. I mean, uh, when you look at at the effort, uh, I, I think that, uh, I mean, obviously, when you, when you see some of the shots that are going against, I mean, that's not a lack of effort. I think that right now everybody's kind of still trying to find their way, trying to find a, a, a defensive system that works a little better. I mean, the goaltending has been unbelievable, but uh, I think that I can honestly say that, yeah, since Drew's taken over, I mean, each and every game, the effort has been there. Um, the uh, obviously the, the, they have not done the, the uh, a few things right because when you're giving up that many shots, defensively you're not doing the job. But but certainly each and every night that the, the effort has been there, and, and, and he can't fault them for that at, at, at all. Well, in that Flyers loss, what did you think was going on with the Blues and the offensive zone turnovers? That seemed to be just a huge issue leading to the loss. Brooke, that's a really good question. I don't know why. I mean, it seems that 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 there's just a, a mental lapse sometimes that that happens. I mean, mistakes are made. I mean, that's what the game of hockey is all about. I mean, uh, the team that usually is the better team is the one that makes the least mistakes. And and I, and I think right now there's just so many turnovers. And I and I don't know if that's just a lack of communication or if it's just the skill level is not high enough or or what is it is. But but everybody's been working on it. I know that they've been working really hard in practice to try to stop those things from happening and, and, and have the guys, I mean, concentrate on what they're supposed to do uh, when they're out there in each and every shift. So, I mean, that's really a, a hard question. I mean, you, you look at teams when they're losing, why are they making mistakes? Why are those mistakes happening? Is it because the other team is better or is it because you're making mental mistakes or you're afraid to do what you're supposed to do? I don't know exactly what the factor is there, but uh, it's it really is factored into a lot of games because there's just way too many turnovers it seems that uh, it to me it's it's more almost a mental uh, lapse that happens where a guy makes a mistake where he knows he shouldn't be doing he knows he's supposed to get out of the zone 
chipping off the boards, but they're not making them mistakes. So that's something that each one, one of them has to, I think, concentrate a little bit more on not making those mistakes and kind of let your instincts take over and, and, and make sure that you're doing the right things. It's the Blues and Capitals tonight here on 101 ESPN, pregame at 5. And so when you think of the Capitals, you think of Ovechkin. Bernie, what do you think? Can he uh, get to Wayne Gretzky, an all-time goal scored? I said it. I've been kind of uh, very pessimistic about that over the course of the last three years. I mean, he's still got, what, 70 or 80 to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not having a great year this year by any means. Uh, I mean, he's 38 years old right now. Uh, that's still a long way to go. I mean, I, I thought that if he got maybe 40 this year or 45, maybe uh, there would be a chance in the next year or two that he can get there. I mean, how long is he going to play? I mean, he said that he wants to get the record. Uh, but, I mean, if you look at what he's got now, and, and, and I mean, if he's going to, unless he gets 40, another 25 or 30 goals this year in the second half, uh, he's still going to be 50 behind uh, Wayne. So, I mean, I, I think that it's going to be really, really difficult. But, uh, he said he wants to do it, and, and uh, he's the kind of guy that's kept himself in great shape uh, that <laughs> he could play until he's after 40 years old. But uh, right now, I, I still think that that record is going to be really, really difficult to get. Hey, Bernie, one last thing, and we started this uh, interview talking about the Blues Hall of Fame tomorrow, uh, and uh, we mentioned the three players going in. I didn't realize until I got into the, the business how important Susie Matthew was to the organization when you were in it and then in, in days that, that, that followed after you left and then came back. I, I'm really glad that Susie is getting the, the True Blue Award tomorrow. Can you give people that are tuned in an idea as to how valuable she was to you players, but as an organization too she's one of the big reasons that the blues are still here i mean uh, i can't say enough about Susie matthew Susie did it all whether she was uh, you know i mean started out as, as really the the pr director um, when i came uh Susie was just one of the team i mean she was always there for us whatever we needed whatever our wives needed girlfriends needed she uh did everything i mean when when we were almost going to saskatoon she was the only one left in the front office so, uh, all the little things that needed to be done. I mean, when when Harry Ornest canceled our pregame meals, uh, she she was the one that set up the restaurant so that we could find restaurants when we were on the road to go. Uh, you know, when we were traveling, if the, if the flights got screwed up, she was the one that that made sure everything um, you know was was put back together. But uh, I can't uh, shoot for 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 one person in the organization that was most valuable person uh, ever. I, I think that Susie is is that 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 person and. Uh, she was one of the guys, and she was just, uh, as I said, I can't, I can't express enough words uh, how important she was to the St. Louis Blues. Bernie, when you guys lost Game 7 after the Monday Night Miracle, wasn't you, along with Susie, that got the flights to get the guys back home because they canceled the plane for the players to come back home? Is that true? <laughs> That is true. She wow. asked me for she asked me for my credit card. She didn't have enough on hers, so we yeah we the, all the flights were put on her hers and my credit card. Yeah, we we did get reimbursed though. We got the money back, Danny. That was a good thing. That's important. <laughs> That's modern day hockey. Wow. Can you imagine that happening in modern day hockey now? There is oh, not a amazing. chance. I can't imagine it happening in any sport. I can't. I, actually, in that in that day, I couldn't imagine it happening, but it did. <laughs> amazing, Bernie. As always, thanks for the time, and we'll be tuned in tonight. We'll see you tomorrow with your blue jacket on.
Sounds good. You guys have a great day. You, you too, too Bernie. You. That's the Hall of Famer Bernie Federico joining us on 101 ESPN. Coming up, Matthew, do you need a fighter today? Yep. Okay. Uh, we need to get a fighter, so all you need to do is text him with your name and the word fight to 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO. Okay, he's on his way. Danny's on his way to saying yo-ho. Uh, we'll I, the, I did the I saw. The motion that, that, that was big. That was big. The fight's coming your way next on 101 ESPN. Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight! In the red corner, average Joe Listener! And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive! Please welcome Randy Carricker! Brooke Grimsley here alongside Randy Carragher, Danny Mack, and Matthew Rocchio, and it is time for the fight. Our fighter today is Gary. Gary, how are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Is this your first fight against Randy? That it is. That it is. So, Dan, we were talking about this yesterday. Is this going to be possibly, this is his 23rd straight that Ooh. he's going for, yep. I believe? So he's looking for the Michael Jordan here, 23 straight. Yep. Ooh. Gary, are you up to the challenge to take on what we call affectionately Megamind? <laughs> you know, I like to think so. I mean, I was playing along yesterday. I hit the jack as well. So uh, Nice. Nice. All right, right, let's do it. We'll get started with question number one, Gary. The Cardinals' elimination by the Giants in Game 7 of the 2012 NLCS was abrupt as they were down 7 and nothing after the third. Who started that game for the Cardinals? Was it Kyle Loesch, Lance Lynn, or Michael Waka? Uh, Michael Walker. Question two. Soccer is already back in action at training camp before the start of their second season for City. Who did City beat for their first ever win? Was it Austin FC, Portland Timbers, Sporting KC? Uh, I believe that was Austin FC. Since the merger, the Rams are the only franchise without a quarterback with a th- with 300-plus yard rushing season. Which quarterback holds the current Rams record with 212 yards in a season? Is it Roman Gabriel, Ryan Fitzpatrick, or Tony Banks? Uh, this is a shot in the dark here. I'll go with Tony Banks. <clears throat> Which 90s running back holds the record with seven consecutive 100-plus yard rushing games in the playoffs? Is it Emmett Smith? Dorsey Levins or Terrell Davis? Uh, Let's go TD, Terrell Davis. All right. Okay. All right, Gary. Nice work. We're going to bring in Randy. How do you feel about your answers today? I'm not too bad. I'm not a, you know, not 100% as I was yesterday, but, you know, we'll see. What's your best sport usually that uh, you know the answers to? Uh, Baseball. Baseball for sure. Yeah, there was a lot of baseball today. There was. Just one question. (laughs) Randy, say good morning to your challenger, Gary. Gary, good morning. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. How are you doing this morning? I'm not too shabby. Just pulled up to work and ready to go in. Oh, good deal. Where do you work? Uh, I'm a police detective. Oh, well, oh, thank nice. you for your service. Thanks for taking care of us. We appreciate that. All right, Randy, you ready? Ready. Question number one. Mm-hmm. The Cardinals elimination by the Giants in Game 7 of the 2012 NLCS was abrupt as they were down 7 to nothing at after the third. Who started that game for the Cardinals? Uh, trick question, huh? 
2012 NLCS. I think the Cardinals lost in six. I believe Chris Carpenter started that game. And I think it was uh, game six after the, uh, the the Cardinals lost out there. No, it was game seven? Okay, it was it was Carpenter. Uh, yeah, he was he was behind early. We thought he was going to do it. Okay, but he didn't. It was. I, I'm going to go with Chris Carpenter. Question two: Soccer is back, Randy. Oh baby! <laughs> City is already back in action at training camp before the start of their second season. Who did City beat for their first ever win? Oh Dan, we looked forward to this, didn't we, for a long time? I'm going to say that it was Austin. It was the Austin squad. You're going Austin FC? Who who is Austin FC? Yes. (laughs) Okay. Question number three. Since the merger, the Rams are the only franchise without a quarterback with a 300-plus yard rushing season. Which quarterback holds the current Rams record with 212 yards in a season? Since the merger, 212 rushing yards. Uh, This is really interesting. I'm going to go with the lifeline here, Brooke. Roman Gabriel. Ryan Fitzpatrick or Tony Banks? Roman Gabriel, Ryan Fitzpatrick or Tony Banks? Ryan Fitzpatrick had like a 65-yard run against the Houston Texans in his debut, long maybe in the 50s. But I don't think he ever got to 200. I'm going to go with uh, Pretty Tony. Probably Roman Gabriel, but I'm going to go with Pretty Tony. Question four, which 90s running back holds the record with seven consecutive 100-plus yard rushing games in the playoffs? 90s running back. Seven consecutive? Seven consecutive 100-plus yard rushing games in the playoffs. Okay. Uh, It's got to be one of two guys, right? And uh, I think it's it's either Emmett or TD. It's got to be one of those two. And I think I am going to go... Uh, I did Davis. I don't think that Terrell Davis did it in both years, '97 and '98. So I'm going to go with the league's all-time leading rusher, Emmett Smith. Okay, Matthew, have you tallied the answers? I have tallied the answers. This was a close one. Randy Carricker, Megamind, going for Michael Jordan, 23. Or does Gary come in as not only the first winner in 23 matches, but the first winner in the year 2024? Ring that bell. The winner and new champion of the fight, Average Joe Listener. Congratulations, Gary. You beat Randy Carricker today, 3-2 to two in the fight. All right, all right. Good stopped job. In with the 3-2 to two win, you stopped in from getting to 2-3. Good job. Let's go through those questions and go through those answers. The Cardinals uh, were eliminated by the Giants in Game 7 of the 2012 NLCS. Chris Carpenter did lose in Game 6. It was Kyle Loesch that got hammered oh, off Loesch. the bat in Game 7. Five of those earned runs credited to him, two to Joe Kelly after he came in. Uh, St. Louis City back in action. It was, in fact, Austin FC where they opened up their season last year with a big win this year. They'll try to do that in the Champions, CONCACAF Champions League or Champions Cup, whatever the heck they're calling it. 
going to keep forgetting. They keep changing the name on me. So one of the two, and, and that'll be they'll try to get a first win this year. And since the merger, the Rams are the only franchise without a quarterback with a 300-plus yard rushing season. And in fact, Tony Banks, who has a 212-yard season. Pretty Roman Gabriel Tony. got up above and at 200 a couple times. Sam Bradford got 164 one year. How about that? Not the leader. And which 90s running back holds the record with seven consecutive 100-yard rushing games in the playoffs? He broke John Riggins' record. It was Terrell Davis who did it in the late 90s. So a 3-2 win for Gary in the fight today. Congratulations, Gary. We will talk to you tomorrow for round two. All right. That sounds good. Thank you, guys. Great job, Gary. Have a great day. Be safe out there, okay? Will do. Thank you, sir. We'll see you later. Thanks. I'm sorry, Randy. We probably shouldn't have talked about your streak going in. It's almost like how you don't talk about the no-hitter that's going on. We might have cursed you a little bit. Nothing lasts forever. You don't uh, believe in curses, do you? Yes, I do. Are you superstitious? <laughs> Michelle and I were ready to go out to Enterprise Center and uh, get, buy black salt and a mirror and a Scotty Bowman picture so that we could reverse the curse. Yeah, we were ready. It's uh, so, funny. Yeah, it's absolutely. I believe in curses. Okay, I was just checking. Yeah. All right. Good. Uh, coming up here on 101, and congratulations to Gary. Good job. Coming up, uh, Baseball America has their new one top 100 prospects out, and the Cardinals have five of the top 100. We'll tell you who they are and what we expect from them this year. Next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Opening drive. Brooke Grimsley here alongside Randy Carricker, Danny Mack, and Matthew Rocchio. So, guys, the future is looking pretty bright for the Cardinals, especially if you're looking at Baseball America's top 100 prospects list. It just came out yesterday, and there are five Cardinals prospects on that list. You have Mason Wynn, Takoa Roby, Victor Scott II, Tink Hintz, and Thomas Ajaysi. Now, we already know that Mason Wynn is already going to be a part of the conversation this season for the Cardinals. But outside of Mason Wynn, is there any of these of those other prospects that I just listed there that kind of piques your interest that could force themselves into the conversation a little bit sooner of making the big league roster? For me, Danny, it's uh, Tink Hentz. Yeah. Every year we see a guy surprise in spring training. And remember when Hink, uh, when Helsley and Hicks came up, they threw 100 miles an hour and they had never pitched above a ball and they found their way to the major leagues both in 2019 or 2018, 19, 20, 23, 18, 2018. Both came up in 2018. I kind of look at Tink Hentz the same way as I looked at Hicks and Helsley. I think the Cardinals are enamored of his stuff. And I think of the five top 100 in Baseball America's list that the Cardinals have, aside from win, I, I'm going to go with uh, Tink Hentz as a guy who has the best chance to make it here. Where are we at? What number is Victor Scott? Uh, v. Scott. Scott, who, by the way, the he other, is eighty three. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, the, and the other night at the uh, baseball writers' dinner, he said that his goal for twenty twenty four was to make his major league debut. Yeah, I, and I could see that. It's in a lot of it will be dependent on what kind of season the Cardinals have because you wonder about Tommy Edmond and where he's mm-hmm. at with his contract status. He's got a year after this season, and if the Cardinals aren't playing well, then you sell off some of those assets, which would be a guy like Tommy Edmond, maybe. Um, but I'm intrigued with his speed. How could you not be? Mm-hmm. And when the rules changed prior to last year to try to get more base stealing, more athleticism into the game, um, that's the... That's the guy right there for me. I, I want to go back to seeing this team be more aggressive. I mean, base running last year, they were 
just not as aggressive. First to third, second to home, stolen bases. Mm -hmm. He steals a ton of bases. And I'm not saying we're going back to the 1985 Cardinals here, but I do think that he could be a factor with his speed. It's not always, normally it is, but not always about power and gaps and hitting for home runs. You can make a game a difference maker with a game with your speed and your legs. And there are a few teams out there that build defense for the running game, but most teams don't. More than half the teams aren't expecting teams to run anymore. That's why there were so many stolen bases in baseball last year. I know we still have the slide step, and there's a few catchers that can throw guys out. But for the most part, teams aren't equipped to defend a great running game like Victor Scott II would present. It's amazing how much they have it down to a science, watching the pitcher to the catcher to release points, pop-up times, how fast you are to the plate. I mean, it's down to the split second Mm -hmm. as to whether or not Victor Scott, Randy, Brooke, Dan can steal a base. I cannot. (laughs) I can't either. But uh, you get the drift. I mean, it is down to a science, man, of just how quickly they know whether you have a chance to steal that bag or not. I thought Mike Schilt was tremendous in that regard. Pop time. Yep. And Mm -hmm. he had an idea, always when to kind of put the pedal to the metal. And he did that all the time. And speed puts pressure on the defense. It always does. Mm-hmm. Always if you, has. And if you have speed, you put pressure on the defense, which is something that I think would be a good thing for the Cardinals. Well, it's interesting that you brought up that pop, right? Because that's something that Jordan Walker mentioned this past weekend that he actually talked to Tommy Edmond about because he said that he just has such a great ability of to even find and distinguish the sound and incorporating that. And. There, there is an art, and Lou Brock used to teach, remember in spring training, how he would teach the art of stealing bases to the young players. And some guys can do it and picked up on it, some guys couldn't. I, I'm surprised Vince Coleman really does understand the art of stealing bases too. And there is something to be said for teaching exactly what you're talking about, Brooke, the, the pop and the pop time and the sound and the, the way and the distance for a leadoff and what foot to use when you take off for the first time. There's a, an art to stealing bases. He actually said stealing bases against a left-handed pitcher was easier than a right-handed pitcher. <laughs> I, I never understood it, but then when he went through it and explained it to me, I said, yeah, that makes some pretty good sense. Teen Kentz is the other guy that, for me, outside of Victor Scott, that I'd be excited about. Anytime you have a young player with a big arm, there's just excitement around it. And you can teach him various things. I, th- I guarantee Jason Isringhausen will get mm-hmm. his hands on him this spring training. Mm-hmm. He's going to be down there. I talked to him the other day uh, for the entire run of spring training, and he gets with these young kids, and he helps them out both on and off the field, and he's a great mentor. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing what Tink Hens does this year. I really am. And I'm with you guys. I think it makes sense. Obviously, Mason Wynn will be with the big league club, and then you're going to have Victor Scott at some point factoring in, and then Tink Hens. But where does Thomas the JC fit into this? Because he impressed a lot of people. I talked about him a lot last season in the minor leagues. He was promoted very quickly. Where does he fit into the conversation? He's got a bat, and the Cardinals don't really have, to me, a clear-cut middle infield reserve. The question I have and that I heard from the organization is about Segesi's arm. I just don't know if, and if he's a utility player, it might not make any difference. But from what I have heard, you might not want to have him as an everyday player. 
uh, on the middle infield just who, because of his arm strength. You just made me think. Who is the utility player right now for the 2024 St. Louis Cardinals? You've got Fermin. You uh, either made a trade or got on waivers at Buddy Kennedy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, there was uh, there's one other player. That- Fermin was the one that stood out for yeah. me yes. that I was thinking about. And I, I think you can get creative, too, even though Tommy Edmond is – your everyday center fielder. You do have the return of Brendan Donovan. Uh, Gorman can play second base. So, I mean, you can kind of mix and maneuver, but you want to make sure that you have that utility guy that can bounce all over the place. Uh, for me, would seem to be the logical choice for me, at least at this point as we talk in January. And a lot of things can change between now and the end of March. A and lot of things. Go ahead, Brooke. Yeah, no, I was going to say, because if everything that happened last season, it's like you have to prepare for that. I, I always find it interesting, like Randy said, there's – Certain people, certain players, it seems like it happens more on the pitching side to where if they have a great spring training, they they have a chance to stick or they get a look a little bit longer than the really good position players. And the the reason why is that pitchers get hurt. And if you've made that, that uh, impression on a particular coach or your manager, you have a chance to... Make your debut. Maybe more so before you thought about a position player. Maybe the the most notable story about that here was Kyle McClellan, who came into spring training. He was great for the whole spring and was able to catch enough eyes that he forced the Cardinals to bring him north. And on the position side, it was Lars Newpar. It was, well, yeah. yeah. He kept seeing this guy play, and they kept putting him in positions, and he's diving all over the place, making catches. And then all of a sudden in Detroit, he makes his debut, and we're like, how did this guy make his? Right. Like, we yeah. weren't hearing yeah. much about him. Yeah, there was a number sixty-eight in two thousand one too that kind of did that. Yeah, Albert was pretty good. Or <laughs> it surprises everyone. But with Sajasi, I mean, he's played all four infield positions, but it mm. seems like they are putting him more as a second baseman or possibly third. So when you're talking about what you heard about his arm and mm. that being concerned, is that a concern? Of course, for any young player, but that's something that you can develop over time, especially now that you have that time. I hope so. Yeah, I, I I think at this point in time, you can try to get arm strength out of these guys, but you are what you are. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Uh, you're 21, 22 years old, um, trying to develop arm strength as a middle infielder. Eh. Jose Okendo, is, uh, if there's somebody that can yeah. help a player with that, Jose Okendo would be the perfect guy mm-hmm. to have that player. And apparently he's working every day with Jordan Walker right. down in Jupiter. I, I'm excited about Walker. When people say, who do you think is going to be the most exciting player this year? You know what you have in Goldie. You know what you have in Arenado. You've seen it before. But with a guy that at the end of last season for the final two months looked like the number one prospect mm-hmm. for the Cardinals, that's going to carry over to the offseason, and you anticipate that that carries over to spring training and the regular season. I want to touch on the other guys in the top 100, because Tekoa Roby, maybe we don't talk about him because we just don't know him as well. He came in the Montgomery trade from Texas. He's the number 75 prospect, hard thrower, and he's another guy, I would think, because he was hurt last year when the Cardinals got him. But wouldn't you guys think that he's another guy that in spring training could make an impression like we're talking about with Hence? He's going to get a ton of playing time. Mm-hmm. These guys that you're talking about right now will... What they do down in spring training is that your starters and your everyday lineup is going to play four or five innings, and that's towards the middle of spring training. In the beginning, they may play an inning or two, and then these guys play it out. So you're Mm -hmm. going to get a good look. You're going to see what you have in these young guys. I mean, a Tink Hintz easily could get eight to ten appearances by the end that spring training is over. If they want to take a look at guys, they're going to bring them with the big league club. they got split squads going all over the place, and some of these guys will play nine innings. So you'll get a plenty... Plenty of uh, time to take a look at some of the young players that they have. So it's uh, win at 39, 
Roby at 75, and then Hence, Sajasi, and, uh, well, Scott, 83, Hence, 84, Sajasi, 85. Oh, by the way, number one overall, according to Baseball America, won Jackson Holiday, the top prospect in baseball. Well, that sounds familiar. Where is uh, Yvonne Herrera? Is he graduated to being out of the prospect list? No, he was just missed the cut before the Cardinals. There there were several Cardinals Cardinals that just missed the cut, and he was one of them. And he's going to be on your big league team. He'll be your backup catcher. And I think we all can say, too, that Mason Wynn, it was such a small sample size for him this past season that the expectations are going to be a lot higher for him, but I think he's going to do a lot better than what we saw. I just think you can't count 137 at-bats towards the end of the season and say, well, this is the guy. You can't pigeonhole him that way. I think you have to give him a chance and see what he's got. He had a 172 average, so why overreact? Because there was 137 plate appearances. He had a slow start, by the way, moving from double-A to triple-A. Same thing happened, so maybe that's the case here with the major leagues. Yeah, Yeah, he'll, he'll be fine. By the way, Buddy Kennedy is the guy if he winds up being the backup middle infielder. He's listed at 5'9". Let's just say he's 5'7 rather than 5'9". If we, if we get next <laughs> to him and we're taller. You know where is I'm going that, here. I think everybody knows, right, that there's a few inches that are added, especially yeah, for yeah. pro teams. So, uh, Dan, if yeah. if he does make the team and, and Brooke is taller than him, can we call him Buddy the Elf? Uh, no, you cannot. Randy. No, 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 no. no. You can't. No, you can't do that. No. No. I don't think he would take no, kindly that. to that, just to be honest with you. He's an angry elf. No, angry no, no. He's not buddy the angry know. elf. I don't, see what's, I don't see how there's a problem with this. No. What What would you say is the average height of a male? A man, five, an ten, American I think, male is five. I think it's I think five, it's five, five eight. eight. Really? A baseball player or American man? American man. A baseball sure player. <laughs> baseball player is a different man, okay? 314 is asking, isn't Donovan obviously your choice as a utility player? I've got Donovan penciled in as my everyday He's second, second baseman. Yeah. 5'9". Yeah. Mm-hmm. Five, nine, five, nine, okay. 5'9". Five, okay. That's what we're doing. And that's, that's what Buddy Kennedy is. So he's what, not what are you, Randy? You're Don't like 6'1", 6'2". Yeah. yeah. Six, okay, two. but at the same time, there's a guy on his team who's... 6'6", 265 pounds. Yeah, he's an NFL tight end. (laughs) Talking about Jordan Walker. Yeah, Yeah. Huge, huge height difference. Well, that's Randy and Dan, and I'm Brooke. Coming up next, have the Cowboys doomed themselves for another season of mediocrity? We're going to talk about that coming up next here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Recapping the biggest sports stories of the day on the opening drive with a rush hour reset. Nine oh four in St. Louis time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers and officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Time for our rush hour reset and. The Dallas Cowboys announcing last night that they will bring Mike McCarthy back as their head coach for the 2024 season. Has a year left on his contract, and Jerry Jones historically has been very patient with coaches. He was patient with Wade Phillips. He was patient with Jason Garrett. Very patient. Ten years Garrett had there. And now he's being patient with Mike McCarthy, who, by the way, has been better than Garrett. He's gone 12-5, and 12-5, 12-5, and uh, has... Not been terrible in the regular season. The problem is, is that he's only one and three in the postseason, and they're going to have to find a way to get over that hump. One time, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers got really impatient with Tony Dungy because he wasn't getting him over the top, and they wound up firing him, trading for John Gruden, 
and Gruden won a Super Bowl for Tampa Bay in his first year there, and then Dungy subsequently went and, went and won a Super Bowl in Indianapolis. Is this just putting a Band-Aid over thing? Because you know that this is also Dak Prescott's, his final year. This feels like they're just putting a Band-Aid when you really need... Remember that Flex Seal, the infomercial that you would see where you have the Flex Seal that you put over the big gaping thing that uh-huh. like the water coming out it feels like there's something that they're doing here that it's just not fixing the full problem it's a band-aid maybe just for a little bit and this is going to be uh, a one-year situation mike mccarthy's got one year on his deal Dak prescott one year on his deal mm-hmm. and bring the band, uh, band back together for one more run and see if they can't get over the hump however they've got real problems because uh tyron smith is old now I, I he can't last a full season he didn't this year zach martin is older he can't last a full season anymore tyson smith is a really good player but they have to move him around that great offensive line certainly is open to question now they need to get depth at the running back position pollard is fine but they didn't really have anything behind him they'll have to bring brandon cooks or somebody back they've got and defensively i think they're fine when you lose uh they lost to the the corner uh uh, Trayvon Diggs during the season and we're able to fill in for him just fine. Obviously, you have probably the best defensive player in the league, right? Uh, so I think defensively they're fine, but I think that they've got uh, real issues that they, they're going to have to work on up front on the offensive line. Are you guys shocked? I'm shocked that he's coming back. I'm, I, I'm honestly very shocked. Yeah. I didn't think he would come back. I thought Jerry was going to take enough heat and say, you know what? I'm going to go out and get Bill Belichick and I'm running out of time. He's running out of time. Mm. It's going to be a desperate move, and let's go. I think that that would have been, uh, for us, a match made in heaven, but for those two, a match made in hell. And I think Jerry was probably (laughs) wise enough to recognize that he couldn't coexist with Bill Belichick, and Bill Belichick couldn't coexist with him. My guess is that Belichick probably, even before Mike McCarthy was gone, called Parcells and says, hey, can I coexist with this guy? And Parcells probably said, no way. Do you guys think that... uh options even though they're vast but they're running out a little bit for bill belichick especially for that situation Mm -hmm. that he specifically wants right it feels like he's wanting something in particular and it feels like that is going away i thought i first of all i thought at first that it wouldn't make sense for bill belichick and the cowboys because of jerry jones that whole situation Mm -hmm. but then i'm like well you know it's actually making a little bit more sense would he just put up with it to be able to get what he wants and what he's asking for but at this point we know that that's not going to come true so with bill belichick it just seems like the falcons makes the most sense for him so or or the chargers it depends on if 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 Harbaugh, for whatever reason, would take the Falcons' job, which he's interviewed for, then Belichick to the Chargers would make more sense for him because he's looking for a talented, underachieving team. But if we look at the other teams out there, is there another talented, underachieving team that you would say, okay, that makes sense for Belichick? Certainly Philly, if they fire Sirianni. Yeah. yeah, that, That would make sense. The Raiders? Do the Raiders have enough talent? Are they? They're not going to get rid of Antonio Pierce. The Did players see? have really made that yeah, clear. <laughs> yeah. Max Crosby said he wanted to be traded if they yeah. if it got rid of Antonio Pierce. Antonio Pierce. But they have players saying the same thing about Passaccia, and Mark Davis is an idiot. I'm just saying. Yeah, and what, what I think it makes sense to hire Antonio Pierce, but it seems like Mark Davis is always trying to make the splash higher, whether it was Gruden or McDaniels, the guy out there now, and he's interested in Harbaugh. Do you want to pay three head coaches? No. 
No. That would be something I'd keep yep. in mind, too. Okay, so let's cross the Raiders off the list then. Uh, uh, Seattle. Is Seattle a Belichick? Could you see that? I don't. They say they want to maintain a fun culture. Uh, uh, luck, <laughs> He's yeah. not fun. Is that what you're saying? I'm Ray? saying that that might be the case. <laughs> what? Uh, Carolina. Yeah, that's not no, a very talented There's no way team. that he would want to go take that situation Titans? on. Bill Belichick and the Titans. He yeah. was born in Nashville. Uh huh. No, are I. Are they talented enough? Oh well, that was a shot. Um, no, they are not, and they are going through a big transition. Obviously, with Derrick Henry gone. Now, another layer of this, by the way. Yesterday, I don't know if you guys saw that Dan Quinn interviewed with the Titans. Mm-hmm. So. I think that's be another situation. Think, it seems should, like that's the theme that they're going yeah. with. I don't think that Bill Belichick is what exactly they're looking for. I like getting the head coach that's lost a Super Bowl before. Yeah. I think that's, that's a good Dick, yeah. Vermeil, Dick Vermeil was that guy. You know, that guy who's really hungry. There's never been a coach that uh, I don't think that won a Super Bowl with two teams. Has there been? I don't think that has occurred yet. So I like the guy that's lost a Super Bowl with the team. I think Dan Quinn is a really good candidate this year. What about Belichick to Seattle, though? I, I know that you said it's not the fun atmosphere, but defensively, they were 25th in the league in points mm-hmm. allowed. He, to me, would be a guy that could clean that up pretty quickly. Yeah, but he just doesn't fit. For, for John Schneider to come out and say the most important thing that Jody, Jody Allen said to him, the most important thing is to maintain the culture that has been built there, he would, he would ruin that in a blink. You think so? Yeah, he's... Players don't have fun. I mean, when players left New England, I mean, he had players practicing with concussions. It's it's not a, a particularly fun atmosphere. People say Gronk didn't have fun. Brady didn't have fun. They won. The the winning was fun. But in terms of it being an enjoyable experience leading up to the wins, it was not fun for those guys. I also wonder if some of these owners are saying, all right, man, you're 72. Can you relate to today's player? Mm-hmm. Can you yes. relate to younger people? And that's, in my mind, that's a legitimate question. When you're in this type of business. Now, there's other businesses. Yeah, you can relate to them. But when you're in the business of pro sports, eh, I don't know. 72 might be tough. Okay, so let me give you one more uh, name then, or one more team. The the other team that has an opening, the Washington Commanders. That's the one that makes sense to me. It, it does. Despite, though, the report that the Commanders wouldn't be interested in him, do you think that they would change their mind on that? I... I would, and those early reports yeah. always change. They change right. a million different times. But what would you think the reason would be that the commanders wouldn't be interested in him? If I were their new owner, Josh Harris, I would want to have somebody in place that I thought could be there for ten years. Mm-hmm. That would be Sam Howell, your long-term solution. He at QB? is not. Yeah. No, you use your first pick in the draft, third overall, I believe, on a quarterback. They have three top forty picks, eighty million expected for free agency. Sam Howell threw a career high and and NFL high 21 picks this year. So I'm with you, Randy, probably looking at a QB and mm-hmm. trying to restock through the draft. By the way, Ian Rappaport, NFL media uh, within the last five minutes, reporting that Belichick will have a second interview with the Falcons this weekend after meeting with Arthur Blank one-on-one during the week. Things are ramping up with what Rappaport is calling the greatest coach of all time. <laughs> you wanted to make that clarification. Didn't yeah, you? he's saying that. Not you. No. Give me the guy that's uh, been better. You love Joe Gibbs. I love me some Joe Gibbs. I love me some Bill Parcells. Yeah. You'd probably put Dick E. V. in there, too. You love Dick Vermeil. Dick Vermeil was pretty, pretty darn good. good. Yeah. Pretty All darn right. good. And rebuilt three different franchises from long-term abyss to championship quality. So, yeah, D.V.'s D. absolutely better. Gotcha.
Okay. Thank you. Uh, coming up here on 101 ESPN. That was, by the way, our Rush Hour Reset. Coming up, Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues Insider from The Athletic, is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's the Opening Drive, and we head to the celebrity line, and our friend, our Blues Insider from The Athletic, Jeremy Rutherford, is kind enough to join us on this Friday Eve. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Oh, guys, thanks for having me. We are always excited to talk blues hockey with you. And we were wondering earlier, and obviously the blues are five points out of a playoff spot right now. But when you look at this roster, JR, who's the guy that sells tickets? Who's the guy that people are are having to see on the blues? I think right now it's got to be Robert Thomas, right? Your guy. Yeah, but is he one of those guys? Is he... Is he a guy that moves the needle enough for people to, if they're debating, should I go see the Blues tonight? Well, they have Robert Thomas. I love Robert Thomas, but I don't know if he's a needle mover, you know? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I thought, you know, kind of a question based on uh, if somebody's going to go down to watch the Blues, who are they paying to see uh, would be Robert Thomas. I mean, is he to the level that... You know, people are going to happen to be in Edmonton or Pittsburgh and and not be a hockey fan and say, I'm going to go down and and watch Connor McDavid. You know, I had some friends who were going to Chicago uh, next week, and they once they found out that Bedard was out with the broken jaw, they decided against going to the game. They were strictly going to the game to watch Bedard. So, so yeah, that type of category, you know, maybe Robert Thomas will be there one day, but uh, he's definitely the Blues guy. And to clarify, this is for a team that's five points out of a playoff spot. If you're winning... It doesn't matter. The 2019 Blues didn't have an MVP, but they were winning. And so that's the difference. If if you're the Oilers for most of Connor McDavid's career, they weren't in the playoff hunt, but you wanted to go see him play. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And and I think, uh, you know, Blues fans might, you know, get tickets offered to them and, and think, wow, I've really seen some great plays and, and goals and highlights by Robert Thomas and Jordan Kyrou. I'll go down and watch that. So I think they can... Uh, fit that description, but in terms of big picture throughout the league, yeah, definitely not to that level. JR, my answer was Jordan Biddington. I think that the way that he's played this season, especially as of late, that he's somebody where you say, okay, that's the identity, that's the star of this team right now. Yeah, for sure. I think he he has won them a lot of games, probably more games than any player on the roster this season and over the past few years, and definitely they don't win a cup uh, without him. Um, I think that you know, it's it's weird. As well as he's played, I still have the people, you know, reaching out to me via the tweet or whatever saying, you know, he's just not the guy. And, and I don't understand what they're seeing. It, you know, if they're looking at the nights where maybe he doesn't play as well as he could, uh, there's definitely more nights that, that he's saving their bacon. So um, I don't know if not Jordan, Jordan Bennington, then who? I don't know who those people want in that. Well, Jeremy, you have an article out right now on The Athletic that is titled Five Questions Regarding the Blues Retool, Core, Trades, Prospects, Coach, and Cap. I want to get to the trades because we are getting closer to the trade deadline, which is March 8th. Who is on the trade block for the Blues? Yeah, I think it's a different year this year, obviously, than it was last year. You went into the trade deadline last year knowing you were likely going to move uh, Ryan O'Reilly, Vladimir Tarasenko, and the return was going to be great. First-round picks, uh, Blues fans were hoping, and that's what Doug Armstrong and his staff were able to, to pull off. And, you know, this year's a little bit different. you got some unrestricted free agents to be, but they're of the variety of a Oscar Sundquist, who I think there's still a chance you could resign him, maybe bring him back for another year. Uh, you have Marco Scandella. I think he could get a middle round pick. Uh, you have Sammy Blay. So there's a couple guys unrestricted who I think that uh, the team
teams around the league might want in terms of depth. But a lot of the Blues players who both fans might want to, to move on um, and also the team might want to part ways with have multi-years left on their deals and no trade clauses. So that makes it a little bit difficult, Brooke, especially at the trade deadline, to move some of those players. I, I often refer to that as a summer-type trade. So, so we'll see what happens when it gets closer to deadline. 21 games left, as you mentioned, you know, five points back. This is going to be a real challenge, I think, for this team to make the playoffs. I think when we get closer to that deadline, we'll be talking more and more about selling a few guys off. JR, how does the uh, Blues Hall of Fame work in terms of the criteria and how, who gets in and what do you have to do to get in those things, how many years, all that good stuff that goes into a Hall of Fame? Yeah, Danny, I don't have uh, the exact criteria in front of me, but I know they want you to play for the Blues for a couple years, have X amount uh, of games, and this is the second year I've been a part of that committee. And uh, it's been a lot of fun to uh, to go back and look at some of those numbers and see who compares uh, to whom and, and uh, who which year you should put the guy in. I mean, uh, since they just started this, Two years ago, I felt the desire to put some of those older, you know, late 1960, early 1970 guys in. But, you know, we're going to get to a point with this, like the Cardinals Hall of Fame, where you're going to be bringing in people who recently played 5, 10, 15 years ago. And I think that's going to be really exciting. So this year, everybody knows the class with uh, Keith Kachuk, Pavel Dimitra. As soon as I saw those two names, uh, I was excited, I think, to hear Keith Kachuk sit up on stage and tell Stories about Pav is going to be great. Uh, Mike Leute, the winningest goaltender in Blues history. I talked to Mike a lot, Dan. He's uh, Jordan Bennington's agent, of course, so a lot of conversations. He's so insightful. You need to make time to talk to him because it's probably going to be an hour-long phone call, but he'll tell you some great stories. I remember being in the locker room a couple weeks ago and said to Jordan Bennington, I, I talked to uh, Mike, and he goes, uh, he can talk, eh? That's <laughs> 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 uh, what Jordan said. And Susie Matthew, I know you talked to Bernie Federico earlier about uh, Susie, so uh, you heard some good stories about her. I'll have a story up at The Athletic. Uh, I talked to Susie recently, talked to Brett Hall about Susie, have a lot of cool stories, anecdotes about her as she goes in as the first true Blue Award winner. And here are those qualifications, JR. A player must have one or more of the following, at least three seasons or 200 games played in the Blue Note. That includes regular season and playoffs. Officially retired from from hockey, from the National Hockey League, demonstrated exceptional attributes in the areas of playing ability, sportsmanship, character, and contributions to the St. Louis Blues, won the Stanley Cup or Major NHL Award during their tenure with the Blues. One or more of those allows you to become a member of the Blues Hall of Fame. And I would think that with those qualifications, at some point soon we're going to see Adam Oates elected into the Blues Hall of Fame. Yeah, I would think so. You know, it was a small sample size, but it was one of the best sample sizes in, in Blues history, the chemistry that he and uh, Brett had, and you wish that it could have uh, uh, gone on longer. I remember Bobby Hall calling it the best uh, duo in NHL history. And, and Adam Oates' influence continues with this organization, guys. I know you guys are familiar with it, but uh, Robert Thomas doing a lot of work with Adam Oates this past summer, as a lot of NHL guys do, and this has really, really helped uh, – Robert's game. Not to say that he couldn't have done it on his own, but he gives uh, Adam Oates credit for uh, just trying to find open space and and then also his shot. We've seen the Robert Thomas's shot to really develop this year, uh, pick his spots, use it, and I think uh, that's been great for his offense. So Adam Oates, beyond the Brett Holliers, still contributing. Well, Jeremy, the Blues are facing the Capitals tonight, and Casperi Kapanen going on the IR yesterday, calling up Adam Gaudet. What should we expect from Gaudet tonight? 
Yeah, so he'll be uh, on that third line, according to Drew Bannister yesterday. I think it's going to look something like Saad, Sunquist, probably then uh, Gaudet on that right side. You probably see Sammy Blay come out of the lineup um, and then Walker shift down to that fourth line. And he's a shooter, and I think that's what the Blues need. You look at this last stretch of games, they haven't been putting many on net, and uh, that's what uh, Gaudet's specialty is. So uh, I know you guys have touched on the fact that he leads the American Hockey League in goals with 24. He's third in scoring with 36. And, you know, I've said it a number of times here in the last week or two, but, you know, if anybody knows these guys, it's Drew Bannister. He's coached a, a lot of them. Uh, in Springfield with the American Hockey League affiliate. So he, he's really familiar with Gaudette. He knows what he can do. And he said this kid is not going to be afraid to shoot the puck tonight. So Drew Bannister is the interim head coach. Do you anticipate that that tag goes away or are they still looking aggressively at filling the role? We haven't talked a lot about that. Where, where does that stand right now with the head coach? Yeah, I think it's a situation where, you know, Doug Armstrong keeps everything close to the vest. So whether he's interviewed two people or put some feelers out on a number of people, you know, that's going to be uh, pretty tough information to get uh, out of Doug Armstrong. But I think that uh, it's a situation where Drew Bannister has done really well, I think, with the roster and with the difficulty of, of the competition, the teams that they've been playing lately. You know, I think we've seen some areas that have improved. Uh, you know, talking notably about the power play, Dan. Um, but I think it's going to come down to this. And this is just me talking. This isn't any, uh, you know, conversation with uh, somebody in the Blues management. You know, I think it's going to come down to, you know, do you see the progress with Drew Bannister? Does he have the veterans' ears? Does he continue to develop these young players? Because we know there's a lot of them coming into the to the system in the next couple of years. Uh, if that's the case, then I think he's going to get a legitimate shot. Where they might go away from Drew Bannister is if there's just a no-brainer candidate out there that's willing to come to St. Louis. And, you know, whatever those names are, you know, Rod Brindamore, his contract's expiring in Carolina. I would expect that he'd stay in Carolina. Even if he weren't, would he come to a retool? I doubt it. I'm just trying to paint the picture of if there's a no-brainer candidate out there that Doug thinks can come in and and uh, take over this team and do a good job with it, then he'd probably be forced to go that direction. But if not, I think they feel like they got a pretty good quality candidate in Drew Bannister. And finally, Jeremy Rutherford, history tonight, Adam Gaudet, the first number 88 to ever wear the blue note. <laughs> How about that? How about that? Yeah, and he's he's been around. Like, this isn't, you know, people hear his name and wonder where he came from. He came to the Blues in the Ryan O'Reilly trade with Toronto last year. Uh, but he, he's got a few NHL games. He's 27 years old, I believe. So, you know, this isn't some recent draft pick, 22, who's coming up to, uh, you know, to, to play his first NHL game. So we'll see what he can do, and, and uh, thanks. I was unaware he'll be wearing 88, so I'll know who to look for tonight. Absolutely, and uh, his nickname can be Gaudy. <laughs> there we go. It can, you want gaudy though? That kind of has a negative kind of. No, gaudy numbers. Gaudy numbers uh, are huge, gaudy monstrous. Numbers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That'll be good. Uh, Jr. Right. Always good to have you with us. Thank you, sir. Yep. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. That's our Blues Insider from the Athletic, Jeremy Rutherford. You can always hear him uh, on the uh, Last Minute Blues podcast as well, which is fun listening at 101ESPN.com and on the 101 ESPN app. All of our podcasts brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. <laughs> that was great, Randy. That was. I think that Gotti is what he would be. Gotti. It makes number sense. Number 88, that's a, uh, that's a good number, man, in it's hockey. better than Lemieux. It's one better than Sidney Crosby. Yeah. <laughs> Not quite the great one, right? But pretty No. Cool. You could be a tight end, too. Or yeah. a wide receiver. Right. Just thinking outside the box here. Uh, Things don't work out on the ice. Alan Page, defensive tackle, there number you go. 88. Yep.
Now in the NFL, you can do that. Now you have single numbers that are on nose tackles. Zero. I love 370-pound zeros. It stretches it's a little fun. bit on the <laughs> uniform. Georgia yeah. always had like a, they, they always had a nose tackle that was either six or zero that wore that number. It's a, f- a running back that they brought in uh-huh. didn't quite work out, so then he puts on about eighty pounds and he's quick in the trenches, yeah. wearing zero. Right, eight yeah. and seven are also good defensive linemen, single digit numbers. Seven has to be a fat guy though. Oh, I was gonna say, I was gonna say yeah. eight's the fat guy, seven's your pass rusher. Like Hassan yeah. Reddick looks like he, he looks good in the seven. See, I just I, I think that just. I want to see something out of the ordinary. And I think a seven, he's kind of like a quarterback number, and he's too thin for that. He's It looks too normal. Well, the real problem is that there's no center who's wearing the double zero. Julio right. Jones has the double zero, mm-hmm. but like it, there needs to be a requirement. One starting center around the league just has to wear double zero every year. It should be a requirement. Okay. It, it could be called the Jim Otto rule. Yes. There you go. <laughs> Like a seven or an eight on the ends. Yes. I can see that. Mm-hmm. I want it to be a fat guy, Dan. Okay, well, there's plenty of fat guys that play in the league. Guy. We can trade, trade some numbers. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of them to choose from, Randy. I don't want to go up against them, but there are a lot of big men. Just saying. There are a, lar- a lot of large individuals. Yes. <laughs> Not go small. to break, Randy. Okay, we're, we're going to break next. Uh, we're talking some ball on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Business reporter Daniel Kaplan on this morning talking about the acquisition of Diamond Sports, at least a portion of Diamond Sports, by Amazon and the notable part of the situation with this is that Major League Baseball had no idea. You would think that if you're going to go into a partnership with an entity like Major League Baseball, and you are a big entity like Amazon, that you would tell Major League Baseball, hey, we're going to be partners. But baseball said yesterday, nope, this is the first we've heard of it. And they were not really happy. Well, they were very unhappy, apparently, about uh, the fact that they found out about this the same way we did. I don't. Anytime that I hear that something was a surprise like that, it always concerns me at first, right? Which I'm sure everything will work out. And this seems like this is actually a good situation where it's going to make it available to more fans. But whenever you hear a surprise, it makes you wonder, okay, it will be fine maybe for this year. But is it going to be a bigger conversation past 2024 of what this will look like with Amazon and Major League Baseball? And here are the direct quotes that Daniel Kaplan had from Major League Baseball from their lawyer. All of this came as a surprise. We will refrain from offering congratulations. So That doesn't sound good. No, it doesn't. It sounds like it could be a Band-Aid. And yes. that's what Greg was talking about. I, mm-hmm. I've thought that, too. You get through the year, and then at that point, you reevaluate, reassess where you're at. Individual markets figure out what they want to do. The teams, mm-hmm. um, are they Valley entities? And then at that point, you figure out your streaming. But as we've said Every single time, it has to be direct to consumer. You have to have a way to, if you're in this market, be able to access your games. And at some point, that's something that Rob Manfred and baseball are going to have to come to grips with. Because the Cardinals have multiple years left on their deal. Uh, Of the 11 teams, most of them are in the midst of long-term contracts. Now, Diamond Sports gets out of their financial issues. They're... Uh, bankruptcy is by the boards. Uh, Amazon helped them out of bankruptcy. So at some point, 
Major League Baseball is going to have to come to grips with the fact that they're partners with Diamond Sports. Yeah. And those contracts are still enforced and enforceable. And they can't get away, whether it's for whatever, the seven or eight years with the Cardinals, or they've got some 15, 20-year contracts. If Amazon slash Diamond Sports want to enforce those, they can. There's so many different tentacles to this, and I thought it was very interesting what he said towards the end when we were asking him about what this will look like for the teams who, the five teams that they will have the rights to, right? That's what he was saying? They, they have 11 teams, but there are five that they have yes. the, stre- the exclusive streaming rights and to. And then Daniel Kaplan says, well... Major League Baseball and Amazon. Amazon's going to want more than just those five teams. So what does that mean for that relationship with Major League Baseball and Amazon? Somebody's going to give in at some point, right? And I'm sure that Amazon's trying to strong arm their way into this because remember, it wasn't too long ago that Amazon approached Major League Baseball with the deal and they turned it down. I would think that if I'm a Blues fan, I'm really curious to how this plays out. Yeah, You know, where, where are we at in a year from now or less than a year from now? With the start of the Blues season, would the Cardinals and the Blues come together with some type of network themselves if, if Major mm-hmm. League Baseball allows teams to break away? What's the appetite for the Cardinals to start their own network? Do they need another entity with them to make sure that this works? I, I think, I don't know if you guys agree, I think all that stuff is on the table right now. It is. I think that it is. And I think that it's a smart thing for the Cardinals to look into. I feel like you have... And this is just my own personal perspective on this. I think that starting your own network would be a good idea for the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. They have a large enough fan base to do so. There's fans all over the country that pay attention, go to games, come into games, and watch everything that the Cardinals are doing. So you have that already built in. Why not make it more controllable, where you have control of what's going on there? That's a massive undertaking, it though. It is. I know. That's you know, the other part. You think about... And I think you have to look at it from a business side point of view. Yes, you have the the 40-man payroll and you're dealing with that. You have so many different employees that you're trying to make sure and run properly as a business. And then you would add on this massive undertaking. And it would be massive to try to get the people in. Mm-hmm. Who's doing the production of the games? How do you sell the games? Are we getting the most value back from our fans that we can with this? It just it would be easier if you had an entity like Bally or if you had Amazon that comes in and writes you a big old check and you say, man, I don't have to deal with this, but I get the check, I'm in. And how different is the world going to be when the Bally contract is up in 2032? Oh, my gosh. I can't even imagine what broadcasting will look like. If you're the Cardinals, why bother starting now? And I know the Bill DeWitt has done a lot of research into this. Mm -hmm. This was before they knew about what was happening with Amazon. But with Amazon's money, Amazon in last fiscal year, they made $9.9 billion in profits. In profits, not revenues. $9.9 billion in profits. So if they want to make this work for as long as these contracts go, they can. All they have to do is keep paying the rights fees. And it's not a huge chunk of money. Not for them. when, When you talk about, well, definitely not for them, but when you talk about the money that Dan Kaplan was talking about earlier and what's been reported, that is nothing for them yeah. to get into this and to have a takeover of the Major League Baseball properties. And that's what they're doing. And they have the, they have the availability and the funds behind them to do that.
And the the hard part of this is, is that the customers, you just have to get to the point, and this is sadly where we're going when we're in the midst of the, cut, the cutting of the cord and getting over into streaming, is that there's no other options. If you want to watch, you're going to have to just get into streaming. And that's just mm-hmm. sadly the way that it's going with that. But I will say I do enjoy watching Amazon's Thursday night football product that they've had. They've done a really good job with that. And there are things that they need to improve upon, but... Again, if anybody has the wherewithal to improve upon it, it's them. Yeah. I'm, I, mean, I, I think it's fascinating. The next month is going to be fascinating as you look at the start of the season and what happens. Mm-hmm. There looks to be that some Valley entities are going to be fine. Others are kind of on the fence of what they want to do. And it goes back to everything we're talking about. Do teams want to take this in-house or figure out a way to have Major League Baseball partner with Amazon and everything stays somewhat status quo in terms of getting their, their money back? And we're out of the courts now. So I would be very, very surprised if Amazon hasn't, or Diamond Sports, hasn't already gone to the folks at MLB in the last 24 hours and say, hey, we got the money. We're paying. Uh, so I, I, the only one that would be a question mark would be the Twins who are still negotiating. But the Twins apparently want to have a contract. So I would think that, and the Guardians too. The Guardians want to have a contract. I would think that they'll get those two deals taken care of. I think there was only five or six teams that had gotten the amount of money that they needed to pay for the rights fee to those particular teams. It, mm-hmm. it wasn't many. And so some of these other teams are on the outside looking in, or at least on the fence, of what needs to take place. That's Dan. That's Brooke. I'm Randy. Coming up what next, we're going to head down the stretch with Rock and Roll here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. All right. Let's rock. Rock and roll here on 101 ESPN. Matthew, what do you got for us? Well, last night, the University of Texas and what is their last season in the Big 12 with their basketball program was facing off against UCF and it was going pretty well with them. They were leading by 17 late in the game and then things turned around as UCF turned it on and went on a 17 point comeback to beat the Texas Longhorns. Then we will go to the pregame. We, go we would the then pre- go to the pre. We would go to the post game. Excuse me, where the UCF players were throwing the horns down to some of the Texas players before they went into the uh, handshake line. Head coach Rodney Terry was not happy with this and had this to say in the post game. You know, I'm a big believer in, uh, you know, you win the right way, you lose the right way, and you know, I always tell my guys, you know, um, whether you win or lose, you win the right way, you lose the right way, you carry yourself the right way, you don't go through the handshake line. I'm proud to get into the handshake line and have about six or seven guys putting the horns down. We don't do that, you know, because when you do those kind of things, it looks very classless, and it also looks like you were just hoping to win. We never go into games trying to hope to win. We go into games expecting to win. So we don't act like that, you know. We expect to win. We don't jump up and down act like we won a national championship. We sure don't step on anyone's home court deal and act crazy and try to show them up in any way. We don't do that. You know, so that's what I was angry about. And I was letting those guys know you don't do that. You know, you guys want, hey, we shake, you know, shake your hand, tip our head to you, but we're not going to let you act that way in our building. You're not going to do that. You're not going to put your horns down and do all that nonsense. Somebody go the way. What did you say? 
Are you kidding me? Horns down is the best thing. I love, right. I love horns down. Get over it, man. You lost the game. Deal with it. All due respect to Rodney Terry, okay? <laughs> but maybe he needs to do a little studying of his school's history, of his former athletic director, Lost Dodds, saying, a good year for Missouri is a bad year for Texas. Maybe he needs to look back at his former football coach, Tom Herman, trolling a 19-year-old <laughs> Drew Locke in a bowl game. Maybe he just needs to... Shut his mouth, and as everybody in athletics says, if you don't like it, play better. Did he watch the uh, Texas-Alabama game, football-wise? Thank you. Earlier mm. this year? Yeah. There's a lot of celebrating going on in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. Didn't hear much about that, did we? Not from him. No. no. What is going on with college basketball coaches right now? Wambulance. Thank you. Yeah. What, what is going on? And also, just going to put this out there. He knows what's going to happen. This is going to go all over social media and it's going viral, which it already has. And now you're going to have more and more people do that. This will not yes. stop it from We're happening. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> I don't think coaches care about social media. Oh, I really no. don't. The smart they, ones know. They do, or they have those on their staff or the PR departments that let them know certain things have gotten out that maybe you're going to be asked about. But. I think they're so locked in and so single-minded about winning and about coaching that they don't really pay attention all that much to social media. I got to tell you, I I can't remember a time, aside from his introduction, where I didn't interact with Eli Drinkwitz where he wasn't buried in his phone. Maybe he was recruiting. Yeah, I'm sure he is, but he uses social media a lot. You have to nowadays, especially if you're a college coach. Well, you use it for recruiting. I would say. And maybe somebody else, another handler, is taking place, Well, you and, know, taking over that. And, and don't and, react, right? If you're yeah, going to say something like sure. Rodney Terry said, you know it's going to be out there on social media. Just don't react to it. And how about how Eli goes about it like another one's joining the family, you mm-hmm. know, and he's, I love that. I think it's yeah. kind of cool and your fan base loves that stuff. Right. Yeah, he's... He's got it figured out. Yes, he does. He's smart in how he uses social mm-hmm. media. Yeah, he does, and he's and he's paying attention to everything. I just think that with this whole thing with Rodney, what else do you expect at the moment? And I saw the video of everything that happened. It's not. It wasn't terrible. It's just what you typically yeah. see, where they were just doing horns down towards the fan. Isn't kids. that part of the gamemanship? Isn't that part of the fun of all this? Especially Texas, with as haughty as they are. Absolutely, they started all this. They did. You start you, you you sanctimonious. You started this 15 yeah. years ago. This is all your damn fault. And now you're coming to the SEC well, with this kind of thin skin. You're going to get eaten alive. If the Thank other you. fingers were up, then you'd have a problem. Right. But they're not. They're yeah. going down. By the way, mm-hmm. and you make a great point, <laughs> yeah. Matthew, about th- this is, if you want to find the reason that the Big 12 no longer exists in terms of having the quality that it did, it's because of that stupid Longhorn Network where they took all the yeah. money from the Longhorn Network and didn't share it with anybody else in the Big 12. Why did Nebraska leave? Why did Colorado leave? Why did Missouri leave? Why did uh, A&M leave? They left because it was un- the, the money was unfairly dispersed. They go to the SEC, Missouri and A&M do, and Alabama's won championships and is sharing at the exact same level with those schools as uh, so Missouri and A&M and Alabama all got the same amount of TV money. I don't know if you know the answer to this. I don't. But you guys, what happens to the Longhorn Network then going to the SEC? Where does that money go? It's not a problem. The Longhorn Network no longer exists. Okay, so that's done. (laughs) Because it was owned by ESPN. Can they swallow some of that money, the SEC, and say, hey, bring in your people and we'll do extra shows, we'll do extra programming for Texas? No. It's SEC. Okay. There you go. That's rock and roll. It's fair. Where it just means more.
It does mean more. By the way, one other thing, it hasn't been finalized, but there are rumors right now that uh, Co- Le- uh, Como FC, which is over in... Columbia's getting a... No, Como <laughs> FC, Missouri's as getting in a team? Lake Como, Italy, oh. is coming for Nico Joachini. He has apparently agreed to oh. a contract. They're Come apparently on, trying to finalize the transfer uh, number for Nico Joachini. There are reports right now that it's $2 million plus another $2 million in incentives. Come on, Nico, be better. No, it's $4 million for your backup striker, Randy. That's a great deal. I don't... <laughs> Sell it. I want him here. Sorry, I had no idea that Columbia, Missouri was getting a uh, soccer team. Lake, but Como, Lake, somehow we Lake, missed that news. Lake, it's Como, pretty big news. It's Como in Italy. Como okay. in Italy, which mm. is a very different vibe. Than okay, he's fine. Columbia he's from Missouri. Kansas City, isn't he? So I can get, kind of get the Columbia, Missouri. Maybe that's what he thought. Was he's, I'm getting a little he's closer all, to home. He's also Italian and has and, and, and played <laughs> and, and, and has a lot of connections over there as yeah. well. Yeah, we had a, a radio guy here, Bob Vesco. Remember Bob Vesco? Who went, I can go pumpkin picking. Yeah. He's he's from. Uh, He's from Jersey, and he was making a move from here to Kansas City saying, I'm trying to get closer to home. I'm trying to figure out that move logistically, and I, I never did. No, but I'm didn't make a lot of sense, glad I guess. Glad he's there. Nico yeah. lived in Parma, Italy from 8 years old to 12 years old. Okay, then it's okay if he goes back then. That's fine, Nico. But we need a new guy then. Are we going to get Mbappe? Uh, probably it not. Seems fair. Probably not. Uh, Divac Origi, who is a, oh, an English Premier League player, yeah, is apparently center the, for the Lakers. Current no, the current rumor right now being <laughs> thrown around you, is Randy. Divac Origi. Okay. Origi. Right. He just derailed his, his whole little city of scene announcement. We've got a Divac. We've got a balloon party coming up with T Mac and Ajax, and then we've got BK and Ferrario, and then we've got the fast lane, and then we've got Blues hockey at five o'clock. <laughs> But are you guys bothered by no. me saying that Vlade Divac was a Lakers center and now he's a soccer player? No. Okay. no. Not at all. Good. Hey, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. For all of us, until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great Friday Eve, everyone. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.